keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Hey, welcome to uh, Wrestle Roast this week. I'm, I'm hosting in, in place of Dan, but don't worry, they're still going to be talking about an alcoholic on this show. <laughs> 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 I, and, and, uh, so this is the roast of Jake the Snake Roberts. And let me, let me just say, uh, you know, Dan is doing well. He should be back next week. He was texting me raw results um me and me and scott he was telling us what was going on raw that to me is the real problem you know i've known dan for 15 years and if you are a friend of him if you love him as much as we do please tell him to stop watching raw because i feel like it's the root of all the other problems uh (laughs) this is my own biased opinion but jesus christ uh I'd rather he be telling me about Jack Daniels than Alexa Bliss. Well, it's uh, like, well, you know what it is? It's like Robert is a functioning uh, raw, raw watcher. Yeah. <laughs> Which is Please. actually just as bad, if not worse. I like you wanted to say raw-aholic, but you know that like Jericho tried trademarking it. <laughs> also, Scott, I prefer you call me by my new legal name, Gunther. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we, we actually are going to do a segment called... Um, is Robert's Jewish family okay with his new Nazi name? <laughs> oh, man. Jeez. I'm broadcasting live from Buenos Aires, Argentina, where I've been since 1945. There's a, there's a lot to fucking uh, talk about this week, including uh, setting up a feud between a 10-year-old child <laughs> and a guy who was going to wrestle his first match in the company in it kind of oh, felt like that, so got, the got, anime for, that anime part of Kill Bill where, like, you know the child's going to come for revenge later on the man that killed his dad or dad. Oh, man. I, it, uh, I just, I, I'm just trying to imagine what Nintendo Switch game uh, Negative One was playing while this shit was going on. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, we have Robert with us. We got Scott. And a special guest... Um, Actual TV writer, showrunner of, of, of Dear White People, and, and now a Queer as Folk, Jacqueline Moore. Uh, good to have you. Good to be here. I, I love the show. Whether that's a good thing about me or not, I, I do. Uh, no, it's definitely <laughs> Thank you, Jacqueline. <laughs> You've already lost all of the respect of our self-hating fans. <laughs> I know, I know. That's I'm, okay, though. I'm willing. Self-hating. Yeah. I got into wrestling again during the pandemic. And I truly do feel like it is, like I have have had drug problems in the past, and this is worse. Well, okay, sure. so that's that's fascinating. Let's let's talk about that for a sec before we uh, get into drugs. Jake. And I realize prolonging Jake, he might die by the time we get to the roast. But um, 
So what? Yeah. So what got you in, and and uh, what got you out, and then what got you back in? Um, I was a big like Monday Night War. I mean, like when I was really little, I liked WWF. Just like the, I don't even know, like Saturday mornings and like the VHS tapes at Blockbuster and stuff. Yeah. And then during the Monday Night Wars, I got really into. Uh, mo- I mean, both products, but mostly WCW. I, I loved Sting so much, um, which is challenged almost every Wednesday um, when cool things happen. And then I'm also just like, oh, but the- every time the face paint gets peeled back, it's just an old guy now. <laughs> it's sort yeah. of like seeing a mall Santa Claus like off the clock. Um, yeah, he's not sewing anymore. We'll just say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then during the pandemic, just like extra time. I guess. And, uh, you know, production was, we did the last season of Dear White People during the, um, during the pandemic, but we were delayed obviously. And so suddenly there was a lot more time and WWE had like long lost me. I like would check in every once in a while. Like I sort of came back a little bit during the pipe bomb and summer punk and all that. Uh, and then AEW coming around, I would tune in and out and then Moxley, um, fittingly i guess this week just like the moxley kingston stuff uh in the like sort of empty daily's place or i I, like stumbled across that youtube of the like your mother uh uh, you know i made a promise to your mother ruthie and you was just like oh my god this is tremendous bad theater slash really impressive uh theater and like i i loved it and um and yeah, I just like got hooked again. And like all drugs, did it in secret um, uh, for as long as I could. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could do a segue from drugs to Jake the Snake Roberts. It's impossible. Like I don't know how you'll do it. But I'm gonna, I was, I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna tell the fans uh, our next uh, few roasts for for February. Um, we are going to have Greg Valentine's Day. The most romantic day of all. We are roasting slash loving on Greg the Hammer Valentine. Um, will we not have a lot of listeners because it's Greg Valentine? Yes. Is it worth it to sacrifice for that pun? Also, yes. So, <laughs> and then um, uh, for our other uh, February roast, the greatest commentator of all time. It's time for the main event. Mark Hammer. So we are roasting uh, Greg Valentine and Mark Henry, and our Patreon roast is going to be Tommy Dreamer. We are going to be roasting Tommy Dreamer (laughs) for Patreon, uh, who might pay the $5 to hear someone talk about him. Uh, (laughs) This this is going to be fascinating. Robert, Robert, you're shaking your head. Uh, What do you think about these roasts coming up? (laughs) Uh, what I, listeners, what I love about this is this is the first that I'm hearing about it. I'm being ambushed live on air, uh, which it, I'm excited for Mark Henry and Greg Valentine and the and the Dreamer one as as someone who's one of my closest friends in wrestling. Thank God it's behind a paywall because there's no way Tommy's spending five bucks on this shit. <laughs> Scott, are you excited about these? Oh, yes, absolutely. I can't wait for all the uh, Anne Ramsey movies I'm going to watch to prepare for Greg Valentine. <laughs> I also like that you made Dan's first sober roast Greg Valentine. Like, you're going to make him sit through hours 
of shin guard matches. So. Dan's gonna come back oh, looking oh, like Greg <laughs> Valentine. <laughs> you mean you mean shin garvin matches? <laughs> Oh man, and, and and I'll I'll even I'm gonna even fucking uh, drop um, another. We we have me me and Dan planned out till April, but I'll say one more: our March Patreon roast. Scott, get all the jokes you can, cause the roast of Jimmy Snooker. <laughs> oh hell, yeah. that's gonna be a killer show. What can you talk about though? <laughs> yes, all proceeds go to the Argentino family. <laughs> So, uh, J- Jacqueline, you excited about these as, as, as a fan? I am. I am. I, Tommy Dreamer on the Patreon will be will be very fun. That one, I'm I'm very much looking forward to. It's it's weird. Like like our, the, the Patreon is either yeah controversial people, people whose feelings we don't want to hurt, and murderers. <laughs> it's yeah. It's it's fucking uh, it's fun. Um, but let's talk about Jake. Uh, Jesus Christ, um, this guy is incredible um, and insane. Very storied career. Got his own uh, dark side that he shouldn't have had to share with his family because <laughs> he could have had his own <laughs> had his own um, season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, seriously, uh, Jacqueline. I'm going to start with you. What are your uh, thoughts on 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 Jake uh, via the bright side? Uh, what are the positives of Jake? Um, when well, so I was going to say when sober, but that's not the right uh, the the right uh, dependent clause there. I would say when um, sober enough, or when the right amount of fucked up uh, in Jake's past. I feel like like the best promo. Just everything I liked about season one of True Detective in a person. <laughs> um, uh, Oh, Greg, Greg the Hammer Valentine is the Yellow King. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, just just the best. And in fact, like I feel like when your promo style dovetails so well with being inebriated, it makes it like buys you a lot of leeway for people not real. Like, is he working? Like, yes. <laughs> is this a shoot? Also, yes. Like. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, there aren't there aren't good and bad Jake promos. There's good and bad batches of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, I love I love Jake. I love um, those WWF video like uh, VHS. Like he was always a staple of, and I thought he was great as both <laughs> uh, face and heel, which. Uh, is pretty impressive when you're playing a maniac at all times you don't change your character at all and it's just sometimes we like you and sometimes we like take a step back and we're like actually this is a terrifying human being um yeah yeah uh robert what are what are your thoughts on the roberts yeah jake jake's an all-timer for me i think coming up around the, the time that uh, of my young fandom and being so impressionable with with those promos and how impactful they were and every storyline he was involved in in the WWF was incredibly memorable. I mean, you don't need, you don't need to go to his Wikipedia page and it's like you remember the feud with Rick Rude and having his wife's uh, face spray painted on the on the trunks. You remember his his feud with where the thing where he trained the Ultimate Warrior in those vignettes oh, yeah. and then locked him in the coffin. That was fucking terrifying. Everything with him and Savage 
because that was SummerSlam 91. That's like peak fandom when Liz opens up the box and there's the snake in there. It's the match made in heaven. And then watching Randy Savage get his arm bit by a snake was one of those moments where my parents walked in and like, should we be letting our child watch this? And like, eh, he'll be fine. He'll grow out of wrestling. Um, <laughs> the having watching his snake get murdered by by earthquake and those quake burgers segments. Um, as a kid, it's one of those. And I talked about this before with like the Simpsons, where I learned things from the Simpsons before learning they were real. I didn't realize DDT was a thing as like an actual like chemical as opposed to just a really cool name for probably one of the best finishing moves that there were. It's Ro- like quintessential Robert, I just found out right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's an insecticide. And he's, he's one of the, he's one of the rare people. Pritchard always has this line and it sounds like bullshit where he's like, Oh no, he was so good. He didn't need the title. Jake Roberts is one of the only guys who never really needed the world title because whatever program he was in, he had enough creativity that that thing was going to work and it was going to be a marquee match. It was going to be a marquee segment. It was going to be a marquee program without any title involved. And probably one of the top five best promos ever bar none, just that guy didn't need a writer. There's so much fucking creepy darkness within him that he turned into something positive and, and it's, it's awesome. And if you just pretend that his career cut off when it did, it makes life much easier. But even when it kept going, he's responsible in part for Austin 316. So he's kind of responsible for one of the biggest things in the history of wrestling. And even when he was in WCW, we all remember the coal miners glove match with him and Sting. That shouldn't have worked. And it did. And his downfall has been sad, except for the fact that he did turn it around. And he is a positive story in wrestling now that the DDP yoga and, and, and eventually cleaning up his life and is now one of the best parts of AEW Dynamite. He's no Dan Lambert, but he's pretty darn good. <laughs> Man, when he debuted in Dynamite, that was fantastic. That, that felt great. Right now, Jake, it feels like, you know, there's some post-COVID effects or something, but, uh, but that Jake was, was unbelievable. I mean, I was just shocked that he was dying his hair. Oh, oh yeah, that, that too. He had a little mohawk color. Well, it's also, I mean, it is it is kind of fitting that we're doing this the day after uh, he returned for the first time in about like six months or something, yeah. because it it does make me feel better about this roast because I know that he was sick. Um, I mean, he sounds terrible. Uh, the voice, like I, I didn't realize how not raspy his voice used to be to what it is now, but it's like. You know, we you know we mostly roast people that we like slash you know or 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 love, and 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 Jake is one of those, and so it, it does like on a human level make me happy. Like, oh, okay, he's he's doing all right. Uh, he's, he seems to be fine, and yeah, it feels like like him and Lambert, like like there's like the AA meeting next to the anger management class, and then <laughs> they both know. sound like whatever happened to Michael Douglas. Yeah, they you know pray pray for the <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings waitress that has to serve them. <laughs> oh man, one's hitting on her and the other's telling her uh, why her generation doesn't matter. <laughs> Guess which, uh, Scott? Oh man, I think he's an all timer too. I think 
like macho man feud for feud for feud i think he's might have the best career where there's not that many like terrible feuds um because he makes them shine no matter what he has a great promo no matter what um the matches on some level even when he was starting to lose it like it didn't matter when he was starting to lose it because it was you know methodical even like when he was when he was kind of losing his mind on the pills and, and the drinking, the promo still worked because he was that it, it, it just, that was his essence. He like kind of became what the character was in a way. And uh, yeah, the only flaws I ever saw in him was his body, but his mind always seemed there. Even now his mind seems there. And I think, you know, having him, if he can verbalize still, you know, like one of the greatest wrestling minds in the business ever um, in ring, especially for longevity, not in terms of what you do, but in ring work longevity. Like if you learn how to wrestle like Jake Roberts, you can wrestle for the rest of your life. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll go now. I mean, yeah, I think that uh, he's yeah, he's one of the best ever. And this was my favorite person we've researched because it just gave me an excuse to i was like i'm just gonna watch a couple promos i ended up watching like 60 promos and the motherfucker makes me want to see him wrestle king kong bundy in rochester in 1986 like right <laughs> now like it, what's amazing i mean a lot of it is him and, and some of it is the presentation like i mean look yesterday when he did come back you know it was a pre-tape it was 20 seconds and it was great. Like not everybody, I always say this, but like needs to be out there for 10 minutes. Like you had somebody like the rock, like there's like five people that are genuinely good at that skill of just going out there and entertaining a crowd. Like and Cody, um, You know, look, <laughs> there's some fathers who are good at that, that can't pass it on to their sons, but you know, we'll talk about that later. Uh <laughs> But it's interesting with, with Jake is that he was always, you know, the word feud and he was always doing something, you know, it's like there were so many wrestlers like even now and, and, and even back then that just they weren't doing anything. And like he was in a time of they had C shows like there was an A show, a B show and a C show. And just the fact that he was mad at someone or someone was mad at him was able to sell tickets like that's incredible to me and that you know back then it's like you stand with mean gene for like you know five hours and you just you know all right uh kentucky okay albany you know and he but every one of them every single one i've watched there's one line that like grabs you that wasn't in the other ones like some of the shit he repeats because of course you're going to but he also like the fact that he didn't yell a lot is just so mesmerizing like if you really want to see like the brilliance of Jake, like watch those, um, the Hulkamaniacs promos where it's demolition, it's Hogan and Jake. And it is so much yelling. And then just this guy who, you know, is wispy. And I, I mean, yeah, when he was uh, a face, he was sympathetic. I mean, I love that blindfold match. I, I love, because yeah, it's all about the story. I mean, I think his, his 91 to 92, I think, is one of the best character arcs because, you know, it's like he had a heel turn. I mean, that the earthquake, uh, Damien, crushing, crushing Damien, literal right? squash. Um, <laughs> that, 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 like, you know, Robert's out that fucking traumatized me. 
And, and it traumatized Jake because that's why he became heel because someone like went too far. And, and what was amazing too, is that later that year at survivor series, he's teaming up with earthquake. <laughs> he's with the natural disasters and IRS because it's like, well, now I'm evil. I get why you would do evil shit. Like I'm not mad at you, dude. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's so compelling to me because like, yeah, there's like a believability in everything that he does even yeah the, the cheryl roberts thing um it's like how many like rick rude feuds were there like that were just okay and then that one it's like this is a guy that hits on every woman what if someone's wife was just in the crowd it's like the simplest shit but it but it works and, and it's like like you said scott of like his mind like most of i i think i think the best thing you could say about him is that Unlike him physically, his his body of work has aged well, you know. Like, and, and it's there's a timelessness to it, and none none of it feels dated. And well, it, his be- feuds feel like movies, and so yeah, like- they do. There there there's a beginning, a middle, and an end, and he still endures. I mean, if it wasn't for his feud with Andre, you wouldn't have that that gif of Andre freaking out <laughs> when he pulls the snake out. Like, it's stupid little things that that he peppered in, and it's unfortunate he never got a proper shot on the creative team because I think he really would have been uh, impactful as a member, you know, working with Vince and having Vince trust him and trust his vision, he would have shaped wrestling in a far better way than a lot of other people got a chance to do. Do you, do you think Vince would have trusted him? I do because I think he would have seen the, the results. I think there's a selflessness to Jake that he can see all the pieces on the board and he, it's why Patterson works so well because Pat, He's like, that's not wrestling anymore. He doesn't care. And there was always a fear of bringing an active wrestler in that he was just going to focus on himself and it was going to be dusty or it was going to be with WCW have the booking committee. Roberts cared about every single segment on the show and how to make those things better. It just became a, a little bit of a, a, a threat and then his demons kind of getting the better of him sometimes. That I mean, that's the thing too. The, like in an era when so many promos are just someone shouting next to me and Gene, like the fact that there was this person who was doing like, I mean, not to put it in like film, just like film term, but like was doing like character acting. And like, I mean, it was also just like, what, what was the line between method acting, meth acting. Um, but- uh, Well, he, he snorted the line between fantasy. <laughs> yes, exactly. But it was, it was just this like yeah. spooky, like very truly like lived in feeling thing that even stuff that I loved, like Macho Man, uh, always felt like performative, even in a way that like, obviously, but in a way that Jake, like you just believed sort of all of it. Like it just felt like, I don't know, this seems, this seems like maybe this part's real, even once you kind of get wise to it. And he looked like people, like every other wrestler was also larger than him, um, muscle-wise and like head-wise. He looked like all of my dad, dad's friends. He dressed like all of my dad's friends. He was just a person. He looked he like did, a did, but it's not until he got into AEW you realize how unbelievably tall he is. For sure. Because he sure. towers, I mean, he towers over Archer essentially when he's out there, which is one of the reasons I don't love that as a, a pairing because it does take away from the way Archer looks, but you realize like Jake was very good as a wrestler of making himself look smaller than he is. 
He, he, he had a way of just like shrinking his body down, which was impressive. He also was one of the few people who got saddled with a stupid Vince McMahon animal gimmick and made it work. The Bulldogs hated it. Ricky Steamboat hated it. Coco Beware hated it, then loved it. Then the bird got barbecued. But other than that, it's like he's the Jake's the only one that took the stupid animal idea and elevated it and made it part of his character. And it was seamless. You know, it was great, too, was that. The Hasbro came with the snake, and so it felt like more of a bargain than the other Hasbros because you were getting you're getting two figures <laughs> essentially. You're getting Damien, and 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 I think it came with the bag. The original one, I, I th- it may have. I just remember, and his action was a punch that pissed like, me off to no end. As a kid, I had that toy, and I'm like, it's Jake Roberts. He has the DDT, and it, and all the thing can do is throw a punch. <laughs> Yeah, and it's, it's, uh, I mean, the DDT, you know, we, we have a separate conversation on that, but like how over that thing was. And, you know, I mean, I don't believe everything Jake says, but the whole thing of like that he like DDT'd Hogan at a house show and, and, um, and people were chanting DDT more than Hogan. And Vince was like, yeah, this ain't going to work. Well, yeah. And then apparently Hogan went, yeah. And they dropped it. And then Jake yeah. started feuding with honky tonk man. Yeah. I, I mean, do you, do you think that that move should still be protected? Because when you watch it in it's time and it, and it really was like, you did it once and that's it. Like you're all dropping someone on their head. Like, of all the things that are faster now, like, should the DDT ha- uh, not be something that's a transitional move? I will say even that's, like, talk about how how fucking great Jake is. Like, there was a quote going around, I think, like, two weeks ago where someone asked Jake about that. And he was about how, like, do, are you upset that it's not a finisher anymore? The same shit that, like, Bret Hart always complains about. And, like, every, and he was like, no, it just means that I was twice as good as all the people that are doing it now. So I'm like, what a fucking like, cool yeah. answer. Like, how Jay Lethal's cutter is the best cutter in the business. <laughs> this fucking Cody thing is all over the show. It's impossible to... Yeah, it's like Gossamer. It's, it's like his well, promo, just all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> Let's have some fun. Let's 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 roast. Uh, Wait, what were we just talking about, Jake? I I had another compliment about the okay. man. I'm so high on him. What what did we just say about him? The DDT. The DDT. Uh, that it oh, should, do you know how he invented it? He like Mister yeah. Magooed his way into it. <laughs> yeah, he, he fell had over his opponent the... in a headlock and tripped, and the crowd went nuts. Yeah. He's like, that's Amazing. a great move. And the other guy was like, medic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, does, he, does he give royalties to the person he paralyzed? <laughs> I know that is like the most Jake thing. Like he's, he literally stumbled into his own success. Yeah. yeah. But I like Unreal. that we know that story. Like I, I just, in a world where all, like so many of these guys end up just telling you know, self-aggrandizing, whatever. I love that we just have Jake being like, yep, tripped. <laughs> like, it was great. <laughs> like, yeah, that too, yeah. I mean, and, and, and one more uh, bright side is that, like, I mean, you know, the it is... It is it is hard to, to, to talk anything, Jake, without just going trigger warning. Um, but, <laughs> you know, the stuff with his family, like, there is something amazing. Obviously, his own resurrection and, and the sobriety, but the fact that his, his father, who is, is a horrible person, like someone we may, we may not even touch on the Patreon because it's just because then we have to like 
research him and yuck. um but it's like the fact that that guy was such a shitty dad and such a shitty person and that his legacy is jake's dad like that's all grizzly smith is is just the guy who is jake's dad the guy, the guy who like you know apparently like never like congratulated him or you know said he was a successor or whatever is just a fucking less than a footnote to um, a guy who's like an absolute legend and the best Hall of Fame speech ever, I'd say. Um, you know, maybe maybe Heenan. Uh, Heenan, man, there. Heenan got me good. Heenan, yeah, it's he. Heenan used all the voice he had left for that, and and it's. Uh, I mean, that one's amazing too. I think they're both great. The Jake one, I I was watching that in in a cab from one gig to another, just crying in the back of a cab. When he, and he talks about his um, his grandson and how he's going to be at WrestleMania 50 and everything. It's so, you know, I, I, I'm guessing, I'm guessing uh, to wrestle Jake Atlas over the name Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Cody Sprinkles. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that, that Hall of Fame is, uh, have you seen that, Jacqueline? The Jake's I haven't Hall of seen, Fame? I haven't seen Jake's Hall of Fame speech. It's, it's worth it. It's like, I mean, this is the most Jake thing ever, but the audience starts going one more match, one more match, and he goes, no, I'm sorry. I just can't play anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And then they stop. (laughs) It's the most real, like, he's like, yeah, I would like to, but I can't. And it's, yeah, it is heavy. And then he, and then he um, holds up his, uh, grandson who i think was like sick and that um and says that he's gonna main event or wrestlemania that's how it ends and then literally the next the next like five seconds is jerry lawler getting hit in the balls by uh el torito and hornswoggle pageantry <laughs> uh, like no other <laughs> I was just gonna say. sports entertainment all right uh let's roast jake uh jacqueline uh you asked to go first, so please. Yes, yeah, I want to go first. <laughs> I do feel like trigger warnings. Uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Um, Jake, this thing. I just love uh, Jake's dedication to the business after all these years. Um, like this guy always lives his gimmick. Um, that gimmick, of course, being a drug addict who wants to show you his snake. Um, that's not to be confused with uh, egomaniac who wants to show you his snake, Ric Flair, uh, or father who wants to show you his snake, Grizzly Smith. <laughs> Speaking of Grizzly Smith, a lot of people found that Dark Side of the Ring like very hard to watch. Um, not me though, but I've always been a fan of Survivor Series. Um, <laughs> see, you know, Jesus, that episode of Dark Side, Beyond the Mat, Resurrection of Jake the Snake. I gotta be honest, like that's too many documentaries. If your life requires that many documentaries to understand, you're either Jake the Snake or the inspiration for Walter's new gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, am I the only one who feels like every time DDP sees Jake on Dynamite, he's like, fuck, I should not have taken credit for this. <laughs> um, <laughs> Seriously, though, watching DDP save Jake in that doc convinced me that DDP could save anyone. Um, But then Scott Hall set me straight. (laughs) Um, 
let's see, uh, Jake named the DDT after, you know, the horrible pesticide, um, which is such like a sweet tribute from Jake to the one toxic substance he was never able to put in his body. <laughs> um, you know, I love Jake. One of my earliest wrestling memories is seeing the Rick Rude, you know, trying to seduce his wife. Um, and at the time, obviously that made like Rude a heel. Uh, but now you watch it and it really feels like an intervention. Like, miss, my abs can take you away from this mumbling drug addict, please. <laughs> please follow me to freedom. Um, you a well-spoken drug addict. <laughs> that's true. Well-spoken at the time. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. That was a good era of Jake. You know, you conflate. History conflates it all. Um, in truth, uh, I am blown away that Jake has survived all that he has. Childhood abuse, addiction, being part of a segment with Dan Lambert last night. Um, the man can really do it all. Um, except <laughs> say a single sentence without sounding like he's putting a hillbilly curse on you. That he <laughs> never has been able to. Um, and that, that's all I got. That was great. Yeah. Great. All right, Jacqueline Moore. Uh, that was awesome. Uh, Robert, you go next. Uh, all right. Jake Roberts has the facial hair of a porn star and the body of a porn viewer. <laughs> For all of Jake's faults, he's the only wrestler who can get away with telling a woman he's going to whip at his snake and not get canceled. <laughs> as a Jew, I could get behind the documentary Resurrection of Jake Roberts, as this is the one resurrection none of my people could be blamed for. <laughs> Despite being on lunchboxes, video games, and action figures, the only thing child-friendly about Jake was his dad's dating history. <laughs> people are critical of Jake's addictions, but I'll be honest, I watched that one dark side about him, and even I started to consider doing meth. <laughs> what's amazing about jake is that somehow a venomous snake was the least dangerous thing he carried in his luggage <laughs> wrestling has a double standard when jake hit miss elizabeth he became a heel but when savage did it he got in the hall of fame and got his own a and e special <laughs> jake competed in the wwf the nwa the awa wcw ecw and tna which means over his career, he's been found passed out by some of the greatest of all time. <laughs> Jake, his brother, Sam Houston, and his sister, Rockin' Robin, all became pro wrestlers. Given their horrifying backgrounds, it's clear the only reason they didn't become strippers is a lack of coordination. <laughs> During his WrestleMania debut, Jake made uh, George Wells foam at the mouth. Though questionable, like Wick, ah, fucking fuck. I'm going to do that one again. <laughs> yes. Do it live. Fuck it. We'll do it live. <laughs> During We're his wrestling. We're live, pal. Um, I, I should just whisper it like Roberts when I do the thing, too. During his WrestleMania debut, Jake made George Wells foam at the mouth. Though questionable, like white liquid pouring out of a jobber's face was usually a Pat Patterson specialty. <laughs> Jake hosted a segment called The Snake Pit. Snake Pit is what Vince called Linda's pussy. That was, that was my Dan joke of the week. Uh, Rick Rude famously had Jake's wife Cheryl's face airbrushed onto his tights. Thankfully, Rude didn't use a photo of Jake's kids since Roberts wouldn't have recognized him. <laughs> At WrestleMania, Jake Roberts faced Rick Martell in a blindfold match. Wearing a blindfold is how Tony Khan watches most AEW women's matches. <laughs> 
<laughs> at the wedding of Savage and Liz, Jake pulled a snake, uh, put a snake in a gift box, which is far better than the shit most wrestlers would have left in there. <laughs> Jake criticized the film Beyond the Mat, outraged that the documentary had the audacity to just turn a camera on and let Jake be Jake. <laughs> the WWE in 2007 offered to pay all expenses for wrestlers who wanted drug rehab. The bill for Jake alone is why the WWE released over 100 wrestlers in 2021. <laughs> During Jake's career, he had his snake bite Randy Savage, slammed Undertaker's fingers into a coffin, buried the ultimate warrior alive, and had his snake murdered by a fat guy jumping on it. If he caused any more childhood trauma, his name would be Grizzly Smith. That's it for me. Thanks. I just, I just uh, like that's my Dan joke of the week. Like, because a Scott joke is like any cutesy pun. A Dan joke is just Linda's pussy. Yep. It's saying pussy. <laughs> it's saying pussy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> Scott, you're next. Uh, all right. All right, Jake. Uh, he often quoted the Bible and brought a snake around after he read that they can trick women. <laughs> In the WWF, he'd bring a snake to the ring. In the Indies, he'd bring the Budweiser frogs. <laughs> <laughs> he just dumps out the Budweiser frogs into the ring. He's the only wrestler to lose a match by putting a sleeper on himself. His Beyond the Map performance was also the pilot episode of Hoarders. <laughs> He's Jesse Ventura if instead of 9-11 conspiracies, he questioned the conspiracy of who the fuck hid my smokes? Huh? <laughs> when you little shits hide my smokes? <laughs> Smokey the bear prevented forest fires while Jake the snake started them. He looks like a bowling pin and is banned from a bowling alley. <laughs> he is Marge Simpson's sisters. <laughs> <laughs> He's the couch for married with children. <laughs> Every room he's in is a motel room. His promos sound like he's narrating unsolved mysteries. He interacts with women like he's the big bad wolf. He looks like if Ron Jeremy ate McDonald's just twice a day. <laughs> uh, he looks like he shits with the door open. <laughs> Uh, his dick is called Junk the Skunk. <laughs> Jake the Snake's dick is called Junk the Skunk. All right. Jake's promos read like Dan St. Germain text. <laughs> I fear no evil, be it in the day or in the dark of night. Okay, Danielle, I'll text you after dynamite. <laughs> Jake's sister got her name Rockin' Robin after her father, Cradle Robin. <laughs> Whose life was ruined more by a grizzly, Jake Roberts or Timothy Treadwell? <laughs> That's that guy who got ate by a grizzly bear. Hey, our, our, our fans know about the later works of Warner Herzog. <laughs> His dad was a grizzly. His mom, Goldilocks. <laughs> like a child. Wes Craven almost made son of Freddy Krueger, but Jake wouldn't sign over his life story. A uh, weird compliment roast. He can't go back and watch his old promos because they've aged like a fine wine. He doesn't do that anymore. 
okay. Jake was inspired to have a blindfold match after an experience he had owing money to the Mexican cartel. <laughs> and finally, Jake whispers in his promos because he doesn't want the cops to hear. That's it. Oh, man, that was, that was great. Okay. Um, well, well, Jake the Snake Roberts. Here we are on the WrestleRoast podcast, and it's the biggest moment of your career. Why? Because everything you stand for is on the line, mainly your dignity. Oh, yeah, much like your daughter. You haven't seen it in years, but it can be yours <laughs> once again and actually resurrect yourself and not just pretend to for a documentary. All you have to do is take some roast jokes from Robert Karpolis, Jacqueline Moore, Scott Chaplin, and me, Mike, the really needs a Peloton bike, Lawrence. And you see, Jake, we are the lowest form of life there is, wrestling nerds. And we don't forget. We remember all of Brutus Beefcake's aliases, all of Sonny's previous and current and future legal troubles, and all the times you've groveled and done sad shit for money. These were things far beneath you and your talents. Heroes of wrestling, that awful feud with Jerry Lawler, that coal miner's glove match with Sting and Cheatham, every scene of you from beyond the mat. That Boy Meets World cameo where you lost to Vader thanks to the interference of Corey Matthews, who was still able to help defeat you despite going back and <laughs> forth between the match and Topanga's birthday party. And status of all, the atrocious last two years of AEW, where you debuted by talking about Caesar because they wouldn't let you smuggle croutons in your pocket at Sizzler. Yeah, all these moments are a part of your legacy, but none of them are essential. Worst of all, you took your fans and you embarrassed them. You humbled them and you humiliated them and made them rethink if you were ever good when your daughter cursed you out via Sylvia Plath poems or you were on Dynamite doing those Lance Archer promos and talked about your dick and the bunny. <laughs> now it's my turn, Jake. You're going to be the one who's embarrassed. You're going to be the one who's humiliated. And you're going to be the one who rethinks those Lance Archer promos. <laughs> you said something about Clint Eastwood being allergic to horses last night. And really, if that's you sober, do the drugs again. But how appropriate, Jake. <laughs> that the dignity you fight for is your very own. A victim of your own ego, addiction, <laughs> and so much unresolved PTSD. Wallowing in the muck of a murder hawk monster. And Tony Khan's booking. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking dumb. <laughs> that's it for me oh man, oh, man. Uh, so uh yeah i did not have a consistent voice there but neither did he sometimes oh, he'd be really southern and sometimes he wouldn't be <laughs> what did he say yesterday he's like cowboy like, he just said like clint eastwood's allergic to horses or something John Wayne, I think. Was it John Wayne allergic to horses? Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. Was one of them, maybe. He said Clint Eastwood's like, you're a cowboy like Clint Eastwood. They're really going all in on this, like, you're not a cowboy thing, which is yeah. it's really the lowest weird. mistakes. It's so, it's such a weird feud. <laughs> it's also because Lance Archer is also not a cowboy. Like, that's. There's not a cowboy involved. Like, yeah, he's, not, he, he's not advertising hawk. himself. Yes, he is a murder hawk, guys. Come on, look at him. That's a murder. He's hawk. a murder. I'll hawk. say. I'll say that's yeah. a murder hawk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is oh, a murder man. hawk a kind of cowboy? 
No, no, but he's not defending the rights of cowboys. He's just saying you're not being who you are. But everybody else around him seems to just be like, we like real cowboys. Anyway, oh, yeah, it's all of nobody is. Yeah. yeah. No, a murder hawk is a kind of 45 year old white guy with <laughs> braids <laughs> and the puffiest face. God, his face is puffy. Um, but let's do uh, show and hell. Uh, we are talking. The Heroes of Wrestling promo. I'm a nice person, which is why we're not watching the match as well, because Jesus Christ. But this promo, this is... Jake is so good, but... Jacqueline, was it you that said that, uh, that he was, he's, like, he's often on the cusp of like being bad? Um, like, this, this could have been brilliant. It is a disaster. <laughs> But honestly, even this was, this is not a thing to say to about like, hey, Jake, even this was kind of compelling, but like this, this was bad in a way that was still, I was still very compelled by Jake. I, uh, it, I mean, it didn't make sense and it was bad, but it was, it was still, he still had the like gravitas and the, even as he's drunkenly yelling two, two. Yeah, it was it was tough to criticize this because of the boring promos we often have to watch when we watch when we watch Wrestling Weekly. That it was like even this is at least like it it somewhat makes sense compared to a lot of shit we hear that doesn't make sense at all and 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 is is way worse and not you know because of alcohol and pills. So yeah, I, I, mean, I kind of enjoyed this. I was like, yeah, this is okay with me. I mean, he tried, but what's fun about it was he starts trying to do his standard Jake shtick and they're in a casino and he's like, if you have 21, I have 22. And then he just keeps naming games. And I wanted to see that go on for another like five or seven minutes. Like I wanted him to explain the rules of Kino and then talk about how he was going to cheat at Kino. That would have been super fun. And I like that he realized like, I missed the WWF because the camera guy is filming the snake on the ground and it wasn't in character. Like Jake legit gets pissed at the camera guy. of like, That's great. move the camera back up. And he's just hanging on to this poor announcer to keep his balance. And it's it's some of the best John Moxley stuff you've ever seen. And it's just fantastic. <laughs> he just well, becomes also- he just becomes Jake the auteur Roberts. <laughs> it's so funny. You call that cinematography boy. <laughs> well, also he he said he says, you know, if if we're playing 21, I have 22. You lose when if you have 22. <laughs> That's how 21 works. So yeah. Uh, immediately you know he's off yeah (laughs) then he saves it all with the match (laughs) yeah this this match it was supposed to be him and and uh nightheart in the anvil and then um and and there was also supposed to be yoko and bundy but i think like jake was so trashed they just made it into a tag match it's uh i mean did you guys ever cover this scott on the on the total up and marks version don't think so yeah, it's 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 pretty notorious. I mean, it's it's amazing because it's in '99, like at the height of you know the Monday Night War. I guess '98 is, but like you know, it's still popular in '99, and, and people are like, we could make money doing wrestling. <laughs> and then they just like hired everyone that was banned from other companies. <laughs> like, yeah, for this a was, reason. This was please please lose weight so you don't die, Yoko. Uh, <laughs> And then Jake just, yeah. Oh, if there's man. ever a show that deserves a dark side, it's this. It's this Heroes of Wrestling yeah. pay per view. Like every segment is just perpetually sad. You could do watch two hours of puppies being euthanized, 
and it's going to still be somewhat more entertaining and brighter. This is the, this than is this. the show that has that Bushwhackers match in it, right? Yeah. Which is like, it, well, it yeah, is. it's like the we. I think we reviewed that once. Just the match, yeah. Yeah, that match. Is that because it's is rated one of the worst Meltzer matches? Yeah. 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 Yes, we did cover some of those those terrible matches, but it's at least messed up. Jake is still, I think, to Jacqueline's point, is still compelling. He's still there's moments of lucidity and there's moments of of blurriness that that go together, and you can't tell what's real or what's Memorex, and that's what's fun about about a Jake promo where you can just turn the camera on and and let him go. Well, and the production values of this are also that like the fact that it's the late '90s, it's that they were bad production values in the late nineties. So this looks like it's 1977. Like, it's just like, it's like, this could be any time between the late seventies. And it just truly is a very depressing, weird object. Yeah. And, and, and I think also, I don't know if there was a stake in there, but didn't, didn't one of his snakes die? Like didn't, didn't like one of them like die of malnutrition because you shouldn't give a drug addict the snake to take care of? Well, a couple of them died over the years. Like the one that bit Savage died. Yeah, like a week after. Oh, oh, so, wow. that's, that's how Savage is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Macho Madness out, took uh, down the snake. Yeah, it turns out cobras uh, can't inject Slim Jim juice. <laughs> <laughs> The, the cobra just turned into a slim jack. <laughs> What's amazing about Jake is when you're like, we're doing like, you know, the 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 show in hell, there were so many options that yeah. come up. It's like this yes, the entire Lawler feud with him where he's he's playing the born again Christian when you know that he's secretly off the wagon and they're pouring alcohol on him. And it's constantly brought up over the years of like WWE's insensitivity for, for doing that. Uh, anything from beyond the mat with Jake is creepy. We watched something from, I think it was Tales from the Indies or whatever, where it was like really old Jake where he just didn't want to do anything in the ring. And he's just there for the payday and just tells the guy to lay down. Yeah, and I mean, you look like, I mean, you know, for all intents and purposes, Randy the Ram Robinson uh, from The Wrestler is is a very much a proximity of him and, and i mean you know beyond the mat it's always that thing i talk about because it is that it is that wrestling documentary that you can show non-wrestling fans because it's actually good um and the jake stuff yeah is is fucking brutal because it's like you know you have terry funk in that and and there's a sadness to funk but there is also such like a joy and i mean you know this was his first of 85 retirement matches but but the jake stuff you know with the daughter and it's like this is 99 and it's like a, a, a grown adult daughter you know um that he's confronting you know and, and even i mean it's not something i thought about as a kid but even the fact that he did this for a documentary like in front of cameras like there's a sleaziness to that. There, there was like a, an ickiness to it that like that's when he wants to see her, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. And um, you know, I mean, I, I have not watched the resurrection documentary. Does he reconcile with her in that? Oh, I'm not I'm not sure, honestly. I I'm, I'm... I, I feel like I've only seen clips from it, to be honest. And they're yeah. mostly just make DDP look good. DVD, DVD. No. 
And now we're going to talk about Ain't That Swell. Um, this this is this is more fun. Um, this is what I what I think is the the best uh, angle in wrestling. Um, this fucking blew my mind as a kid. Uh, Jake Roberts at Macho Man at Tuesday in Texas, where he slaps Elizabeth. He he is not even a heel. Like he's he's something else. He's I but I, I genuinely believe this is the most evil character that's ever been in the WWE. Like he's just pure terrifying. <laughs> and the whole the whole thing is, you know, like Macho Man was retired. This is this was the the Cobra biting macho uh angle and all that. And then and then they have this match here and it really is more of an angle than a match. The match itself doesn't matter. Like, you know, well, you it's a wanna... brawl. It's good. I really liked it. Yeah, I mean, it's like the, the crowd is, from... is jumping the entire match. The crowd is jumping. Yeah. From bell to bell, it's like six minutes, but like the whole thing as a segment to me is five stars because, you know, you guys are saying um, about like how the the realness of Jake and and I do believe that Savage brought that to everything. These these two are perfect for each other, and it really shows here. Where I mean, there's so much shit in here that it's like they easily could do again. I mean, and look, this happened last night with Britt Baker and um, her kid sister Adam Cole. So <laughs> <laughs> my buddy, I'm sorry, my buddy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know Adam Adam Cole like you know the promo that he cuts afterwards and the reaction like it wasn't bad it was decent but it was nothing compared to this fucking well, thing. and it was it, there's like an inherent silliness to it too because of like the context of what actually happened whereas this feels like I always love when it doesn't when clearly the winning the match doesn't matter to yeah. the, the evil person and like that's what I loved about this segment was that the match itself is so short but like jake clearly is not like angling to win the match it's like all about oh yeah that's my favorite part it, yeah. it, he he loses the match does Quickly. not care it's not about that and then what happens after the match is yeah it's all just really great which is why he would have done great on creative no one gives a fuck about the matches let's talk about the before and the after um what was what was so compelling about this you know there, there's the promos before you're telling the story and it it felt cinematic in the sense that you think that Savage gets his redemption. And then you realize that Jake has pushed Randy so far that after the match, Randy goes to get the chair. And it's like Jake wins simply by corrupting Savage and then attacking him and laying him out with the DVDs. But what made the DVDs, what made this so memorable as a kid was nobody ever touched Elizabeth ever. 2022, you've seen everything in a wrestling ring done to a woman, they've been power bombed, they've been put through tables, all that. Nobody ever. And then just go miscellaneous Vince McMahon segments. Yes, they <laughs> did yes. bark like dogs. Bark like dogs, make out with Vince, Kiss wrestle ass. in pudding it's and nasty. jello and mud. I mean, this is yeah, like Robert, this is this is eight years before May Young is power <laughs> Correct. Like we we didn't see Liz give birth to a hand, but like Liz was the only like pure thing on WWF programming and nobody ever like she got bumped into once and it was like holy shit Jake slaps her and that was so startling for what WWF was at the time they got pushed back at the time for it on Peacock it's rated TV 14 when most of the other pay-per-views of this era are PG and you see it and it's genuinely upsetting 
to to watch it even watching it now as an adult you're like Liz was such a well-crafted character and so well-protected that when Jake did that to her, it was way more devastating than watching Randy Savage get DDT'd four times. And the credit to Savage, and you don't see this a lot with guys now, he was willing to sell that he was basically dead. He didn't care that it was he was being made to look weak and he was like his arms were draped down and his body was lifeless. Guys now would be really worried about protecting their image. Savage was all in to make himself look defeated and helpless and then seeing what happened to Liz it's like you want to see Jake Roberts just get torn limb from limb yeah I I think one of the reasons that this isn't as like remembered in that tippy top with with other angles and stuff is that it never got the blow off that it should have on a proper scale you know it's like uh Jake ends up you know feuding losing to undertaker and leaving and you know savage does the the flair stuff and it's so fascinating too the savage flair pictures and all that is like right after this yeah so liz goes from getting like (laughs) i mean i mean usually there's there's there are problematic elements but i think the reason it works is because he is a he is a bad guy there's nothing redeeming about him he does get his comeuppance and it's like but I mean, one of I mean, one of the things that you, you see in this match that that you, you, that should be copied more is just the fact that like that Savage doesn't wait for his music because he's actually mad, like in oh, a yeah. genuine yes. blood feud where you both wait in your own corners and stuff. Like he he literally he's cutting a promo as Jake is coming down to the ring, and then he's like. He overhears the music during the promo and is like, oh shit, I gotta go. <laughs> and then it's also, he's wearing one of his silliest outfits. I mean, this thing, it's like checkerboard, it, the hat. Like, and, and the funny thing is, none of it comes off for like the first two minutes. Like the jacket and, and the, the hat with the feather. I mean, the, the guy who designed this um, did a lot of Tampa Bay pimps outfits. He did Jimi Hendrix's stuff and, and and a bunch of Tampa Bay pimps and Savage you know, and Savage paid for those himself. Like he just wanted to stick out, and it's funny how serious this gets, even when he's that. And and another thing that that was really jarring about this as a kid, you never saw Tunney come down to the ring during a match. Yeah, it's like oh shit, Dad's mad, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> that he actually comes down with the officials and. And it's not just the slap; it's he grabs her by the hair, like it's. And, and then, I mean, some of the lines in the promo after, I, I think, are some of the the most devious lines ever. Like, I could cultivate her into something even I could want. Like, what <laughs> the fuck? Sorry, then it's even during it when it's like he gets like serial killer level where he's where she's over Savage's body. He's like, "Tell me you love him." Yeah. Like, holy fuck. That's like Silence of the Lambs right there. That's the thing though, is like he's so scary in this segment, like before, during, at like every stage, terrifying. And I think like now, and I don't know if it's just like like post, I don't know. It feels like now when someone's scary, it's all smoke and mirrors and effects. And like I like Malachi Black, and I think that's an interesting character. I'm interested to see where they go. But it's like at the same time. Jake had none of those bells and whistles and was scarier than any of these like horror movie characters that people do because it was just like 
no a scary man quietly whispering is far is far freakier than just like you know bray wyatt in a yeah he's he's the real killer it's yeah Yeah. he's not a movie yeah 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 and that and that you never actually do see a snake in this segment and the whole thing is that i was the snake all along tunny and the other the other line that he says i should have to pay to do something like that like just lets you know the things he's paid for like (laughs) i think of all of his promos like this this post-match one and the other th- the other thing that really sticks out about it, I mean, I mentioned like the you know the officials and Tunny, but you never saw Mean Gene get this disgusted, and that's like like everybody like even even during this like you know Heenan is like in Heenan mode at the beginning, but even Heenan like is taken aback. It was, like, it was never Heenan getting jarred was what made it the most uncomfortable because he was always like all in on the heels and it's like well no he just hit a woman like all right i guess we we're not cool with that yeah and and when um he just would mean he goes get the hell out of here like that he ends the interview because he's disgusted and it's like you think of all of the the bad guys that that he interviewed over the years and the things that they did but it was never like this like you know it's it's interesting too because they talk about this in the the dark side of the ring with like Elizabeth's family was actually mad about this, but it's like, cause I guess they didn't understand wrestling, <laughs> but they, they were literally like, like, you know, Randy, why did you let that man hit <laughs> our Elizabeth? <laughs> and it's like, no, she, was, she was in on it, but you know what? It's like, it is that good that it's like believable. Like you don't, you don't watch this and think that it's like choreographed or planned in advance. And there's very few things in wrestling I could ever say that about, let alone something from 1991. <laughs> I mean, it's also, I mean, where could, could Jake, just the last thing I would ask, could Jake have come back to being a face after this it, if he stayed, if he didn't go to WCW? Was there any way to go back to this from from uh, where he was? I mean, a few years a few years later, Stone Cold was you know stunning women and stuff. Um, so yeah, that was I, different. That was that was the Attitude Era, and and well, that, I, you were supposed I, I, to hate women at that point for some. But reason. we're talking about like wh- are, when are we talking about coming back from WCW? It would be Attitude Era, right? Like no, if, no. If he, what I'm saying saying if, he, that, if he didn't leave, if he didn't, leave. oh, if he never left, okay, okay. I think the only way that it would have worked is if Liz forgave him, if he went like, you know, on his knees and and was begging for forgiveness and wanted redemption from her, then that would let the audience forgive Jake. Um, Alternately, they could, they just abandoned storylines and it could have just forgotten about it entirely and, and moved on. And and hopefully the crowd would just cheer because Jake was attacking, uh, you know, a, a heel. Therefore he's a baby face. Yeah. yeah, he'd have to save her or something, you know. Yeah, this this thing, and, and I mean, and it is fitting too that it's like, you know, he is the three sixteen in Austin three sixteen, like that, like even just Jake inspires great promos from other people. Like that's <laughs> that's I I had never watched the actual King of the Ring until recently, and it is crazy that 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 was the finals in '96 was Austin and. And Potbelly, you know, Jake just swallowed uh, a mouse. Yeah, an egg. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and, uh, you know, your Bible didn't get you anywhere. And I mean, yeah, I, you mentioned it earlier, Robert, I feel weird about all the born again Christian stuff with Jake because yeah, it was a work and it's, uh, you know, did he just do that to get hired <laughs> again? I think he, I genuinely think he believed it at first and he was like, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm clean. I'm going to be fine. And slowly but surely that stopped happening, especially once you put them on the road. It's why Marty Jannetty got hired, you know, 15 times and then fired 15 times in WWE. It's as soon as you get back into that world and back into that life, there's way too much temptation there for, for him to avoid it. I mean, think about like, how much money do you think he got from that one Boy Meets World and residuals over the year, Jacqueline? No. It's, it's got to be a decent amount, right? That thing still yeah, plays. I'm sure. I mean, the, the fact that that show was like actually syndicated for so long, like on various cable too, like he definitely, I mean, I don't know. It's changed so much. I would say probably in the hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, over, over 25 years, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe a hundred grand. Yeah, that, uh, that five minutes gets show so that many ran, dealers in business. Like that, mostly because that's a show that ran literally like five times a day. Yeah. Every day on yeah. four network. Like it was just, it's ridiculous. The amount of syndication money at the time. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Never it mind. might be on now. Like it, there's a good chance that it's, oh, it's probably on now. Yeah. 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 Is it, it may be on Disney plus. I don't know. Cause I know girl, they brought back girl meets world. Oh, it's, it's all be on, on the Disney same plus. Yeah. Cause yeah. Well, my, my daughter knew what boy meets world was. Cause she knew about girl meets world. But that's the thing is now there's no residual money. <laughs> like the, you get nothing yeah. from the Disney plus like that's it's more people can watch the shit and it means way less. It's yeah. very fun. Our unions are great. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what that's Jack the beauty of wrestling you don't have to worry about any of these yeah, union those pesky unions yeah. Jake Roberts got paid 150 bucks and a cigarette <laughs> and he's fine what, 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 what Jack is trying to say is don't be a leading star on Bridgerton <laughs> have a guest role on Mama's Family <laughs> you honestly you would, you would have done well to be on Mama's Family <laughs> yeah I mean with, with Vicky Guerrero Alpaz yeah. I remember working at a so show. I remember working at a show with some people who worked on, like, oh, what the fuck was it called? The Betty White show that not Golden Girls, but the the Hot one in Cleveland. Hot in Cleveland, um, and they had written on Hot in Cleveland, and I just remember one. It was like one of the last shows that had like big syndication where it was on a bunch of networks. And I remember one day in the writers' room, they looked up the like you know when you would see advertisements say like check local listings. There's like a website you could put in your. They like went to the website for Hot in Cleveland to see how many markets it had been syndicated in for the new year to see if they like, oh, it's going to be a good year this year. We're in 300 markets. And meanwhile, the rest of us had just kind of broken into TV and we're all like, great, great. We're, we're hard, like, we're hardly making enough money to pay our student loans <laughs> and our healthcare and our cool, cool. This is great. I remember the, the WGA once accidentally sent me someone else's residuals. And I, I won't say who, but it was uh, it was a writer of a syndicated show, like uh, like a creator. And Jesus Christ! <laughs> yes, I got a residual check yesterday for thirty one cents. Yeah. It was very exciting. Yeah, they lose money by mailing it. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, 
Yes, but that was the advantage of being a writer for WWE. I never had to worry about unions or fair pay or <laughs> proper hours it's or good any overall. of that. Look, it's a it's a win overall. I, I'm, but I'm, I will say I'm one happy. of the benefits. This is this is because we're in the ain't that swell. I'm going to tell the story. We when they when they were making the Jake DVD, it was all hands on deck to to QC to to screen the the, the matches and and get everything ready, take notes. And I'm sitting in a booth with with headphones on. I'm watching. Uh, it was a, a Jake Ricky Steamboat match, and Jake hits the DDT and all of a sudden I feel shoulders on me and someone just goes, bam, I turn around. It's Jake Roberts because he was there. He was just watching the match. I jumped 12 feet in the air because it scared the fuck out of me. And then he just sat there and started talking about the match for a little bit. And it was awesome. And it's one of my favorite memories ever of working there because it's kind of like when you work there, sometimes it's like those sports center commercials where just randomly there's just like you know, a mascot or, you know, an athlete walking through where Jake was just there because he was recording stuff and then starts telling a story about how years ago he used to go into the studio. It's like, yeah, I'd be fucked up at like 2 a.m. and I just pee in the corner. Like, oh, <laughs> but, but I asked our production guy and he's like, yep, Jake had a key and he would just kind of stumble in at like 2 a.m. and just start peeing in the corner. By the way, uh, Jake was really there because Robert said his name into the monitor five times. <laughs> <laughs> His real name, Aurelian Smith. Aurelian. <laughs> Does anyone know any other Aurelian? <laughs> no. No. Wasn't that one of the Eternals? <laughs> it's one of the Celestials. Definitely oh, a terrible. Again, it's yeah. all serial killer shit. That's a serial killer name for sure. Yeah. Speaking of something that felt eternal, last night's Dynamite. <laughs> uh, it's time for Dynamite or Dud, uh, a.k.a. Hey, Scott, why are we wrong? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I kind of miss watching NXT all of a sudden. Uh, but, Too far, know, Robert. I'm joking. I'm joking. No, no, I don't, I don't need to see a Braun Breaker promo. <laughs> I mean, how, how is Braun Breaker not the Nazi soldier? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Um, well, it definitely Braun feels like they're Breaker. going for him being a Nazi killer at some point, that that's their, like, get him over big time. Yes, but- oh, you're right. They're going to feed Wall. I, I just yeah. realized they're going to feed... Oh, I'm sorry. Gunther. 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 They're going to feed Gunther. Hold on. I will, I, in, in def- I'm not defending the Nazi name. I'm just pointing this out right here as a WWE apologist. I'm not defending the name. But Walter is kind of... He, he's he's labeled a nut in the industry because he's smart and he cares about his, his life. Like, when we tried to book him for MLW, he's like... I've got my, 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 you know, girlfriend here. I don't want to come here for a long period of time. It's not worth it for me to fly over. Um, the reason why they changed his name was he's like, I'm all for you guys using me full time now. I want to own my name, Walter. So you need to give me a different name because I know that you guys are going to fuck me at some point. And I, I still want to be Walter when I leave here. And their punishment was, okay, we're going to name you after a Nazi. <laughs> It's funny when he when he like said at the end, my name is Gunther. Like it reminded me of that that weird subplot on Breaking Bad where Walt Jr. just became Flynn for no reason. <laughs> there were there were two subplots like like Marie and the Spoons, and then Walt Jr. <laughs> being Flynn. Like it's oh, just, that's I'm just cool. Flynn now. Okay. That's called you have that actor as a series regular, and that's a contract that you can't get out of five years in. And the network's like, are we going to do anything with them? They're not in this episode. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's like a reveal without being Walt a Jr. reveal. Yeah. <laughs> All 
All right, so let's talk this episode. The the first hour, we have the return of John Moxley, and uh, I feel like we should talk promo. about that and then separate that from the rest of the show. Like, save the good part of the body and sever the rest of the. Well, limbs. no, that's been dynamite lately. We talk about the first forty five minutes I, uh, kindly, yeah. and then we get uh, angry. Okay, all right. Um, th- then we have um, MJF uh, backstage promo. Talking about Punk and Wardlow, more uh, dissension there. This, this, this I loved um, corporate MJF, where he was the meanest he's been, but the nicest <laughs> with the voice. Um, docking someone's pay on their birthday is a very MJF thing. Then, then we had Adam Cole and Britt Baker versus uh, Chris Statlander and Orange Cassidy. Then we had, uh, let's see here, uh, Jericho trying to make Fetch happen. I'm sorry, GFY. <laughs> so embarrassing. Uh, uh, with Santana and Ortiz. So another dissension thing there where they're like, yeah, we actually should be better than we are. Um, and you haven't helped us. Uh, then Adam Cole uh, cuts a, a promo on Orange Cassidy. You know, making the good point. I've beaten you in singles. I've beaten you in tags. <laughs> I guess I'll beat you in a match that doesn't count. In a lights out match. It's at uh, Beach Break um, in the beautiful beachy city of Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> that's so that's why that's why we, me and my wife, are together because I'm from the beaches of Fort Lauderdale and she's from the beaches of Cleveland. Um, <laughs> then we have CM Punk for Sean Spears and the only way that that match should have happened, which was in 10 seconds. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> and then uh, there is a country for old men because Billy Gunn and Christian Cage <laughs> are bickering on. Uh, wait, like, wait, 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 wait. Everything up to this point was enjoyable. Continue. Yes. And then it became I'm shocked that that was Scott's take. <laughs> well, you listed but, but, a lot of things and you made some Scott. rude comments during them, but all of that was very good. What had occurred, and now well, let let's go backstage. Let me translate for Scott. Everything on this show didn't feel like an episode of Impact, and then Billy Gunn. <laughs> Dude, it was crazy what occurred <laughs> with the with the gun. Like, by the way, both like chaperones, like speaking for their children. Yeah, the the acknowledgement that like so my boys, his sons. Want a shot at your boy? Like, does Billy Gunn think that Christian has a dinosaur son? <laughs> and here's something that made it worse. Uh, all the backstage segments last night didn't have the crowd reaction to them. So it all just fell very silent and it, it, it made it even worse than they actually were. And they were not very good. None of the backstage segments. Then, then we get um, Cody Codying it up. For eight Cody minutes, Cody, Cody, uh, he is there. Uh, the picture in picture of him setting up a ladder <laughs> that he then then doesn't talk about for seven minutes, uh, goes on about a bunch of things, and then remembers, oh, yeah, there is a ladder. I'm wrestling Sammy Guevara next week for <laughs> the TNT interim title. Wait, that was hour one? Because I think that promo alone was 72 minutes. No, that was an hour one, was it? This is our one, yeah. Wait, the that Cody was like, promo was our one? Yeah, this is our one. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Uh, so we will we will we will end our one right there. Um Robert, uh what what did you think of this? 
Moxley, so first, yes, Moxley said fuck because some guy in the crowd was chanting, like, get that drunk guy out of there. It's like he was being, some fan of the crowd was being a total asshole and Moxley, you know, threw him out of there. It was, I'm so glad we were doing the Jake roast because it's like watching a bunch of Jake promos and watching this Moxley promo. Moxley knocked it out of the park. This was compelling. It was interesting. It felt like he was delivering a, 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 a monologue. Um, it made you reinvigorated and want to root for the Moxley character. And it's like, I really want to see what happens to this guy going forward. This is awesome. The punk Wardlow thing worked as well. The, the, the taking the shots of Wardlow slowly building to where you're going. Um, it was great. The Cole and Britt match with, with Satlander and Orange Cassidy was, it was, there were moments that really entertaining the vertical suplex spot with the delayed vertical suplex and then just pushing her over, crack me up. There was some terrible camera work at the point where they were outside the ring. The, the camera guys did not know where to, where to shoot. And I get that they lost uh, Mitchell, who's, who was their producer for a long, long time. He'd been doing, Keith Mitchell been doing WCW and all that. So it's a new somebody at the helm. But the part where Britton and, and uh, Cole are looking at each other and you're supposed to see what's going on with everyone, it was disjointed and they kept missing it. And it's unfortunate because Britt and Cole put something really strong together. Um, her falling through the table was the gentlest, most soothing, relaxing thing I've seen. Uh, it was the nest plunge into a, a nice, comfortable table. Wait, but that's the point. No, I, I, I understand that was, I'm, I'm, oh, okay, cool. it was just, yeah, I think that's it was all very fine. Funny. And then yeah, Cole, yeah, yeah. Cole going down to tell her he won the match. And he's <laughs> yeah, got this big so smile. Dumb. That was so well done. I enjoyed that. That was, and you know what fun. helps, dude? It honestly helps. It's, and, and, and I know some people who are complaining, they're saying like Adam Cole is like goofy when he's in there with his girlfriend and they are of like a similar size kind of and not even insulting him. It's like there's something adorable about this couple. And it's hilarious that they're these there, like swarmy heels. This there tiny is. Couple. And, and they must be really good actors because when they kissed, I believe there is zero <laughs> sexual chemistry between the two of them. <laughs> like these are people it's like I've seen siblings kiss better and that's we're on the Grizzly Smith show. So it works. Uh, the Jericho proud and powerful thing. I get that he now filed a trademark for GFY. That's a legit thing. He's trying. He's trying to make it work. It's well, really, as embarrassing really as the other trademark filing of the week. <laughs> yes, it, it, this. I feel like G, I'm hoping GFY is some Nazi acronym. Um, and then, like, yeah, they're they're fi- they're they're waiting for them to split up at the same time. You're getting the Punk Wardlow split up is weird. The Punk Spears match. I never thought I was going to say this. I've enjoyed Sean Spears a lot in the last few weeks. And I kind of wanted to see the actual match because Sean Spears is a really good wrestler. He got over in, in NXT and WWE with that 10 bullshit because he's really good in the ring. Him and Punk could have had a really fun match and said it was over really fast. But MJF selling it worked and Punk getting the scarf and that was fine. Uh, Billy and Christian, another production thing that really annoyed me. They were filming it, but there was a truck running in the background. And all you heard was that background noise like that's something where. If you would have put that on TV and WWE, that producer would have been fired that night for, for how shitty that audio so was. So with that truck driver. <laughs> so with that truck, yes. If they could have, they, they would have fired, I'm guessing it was Duke Droste. Uh, and then that Cody promo was one for the ages. He set up the ladder and I'm like, oh, they should have saved the ladder set up for when they were on camera because I feel like the crowd would have popped. Like, this is where you're going. Get a Cody pop and let the audience hear it. Instead, it was a commercial for Go Big Show, so I already hated Cody. And then he runs down and somehow ruins a lot of the goodwill that AEW has built up. And I, Dan had texted me this, and he's like, 
what did you think? And I'm like, part of me hopes secretly that he did this so over the top bad to make you hate them more. I don't think that's the case. I think that they're trying to cover up how awkward and, and weird Cody is as a person to make it seem like it's a character flaw within the fictional character, as opposed to the real guy that wants to be like, oh yeah, you know, Ricky Starks, he's playing a character on TV, but in real life, he is my friend. Don't worry, you're going to see him in two segments where he's again, pretending to be a bad guy. Uh, and oh, someone shows up named Brody. How dare they? Um, but don't worry, you're going to see him in, a, in another segment after. And let's take shots at NXT. Like his feud is with Vince McMahon. That was what this promo was, and we're never going to get to see that. And then when there was 20 seconds left, he's just like, oh, yeah, by the way, there, there's going to be a ladder match. Like, they, this was such a you-can't-fuck-this-up story, and Cody found a way to Cody it up. So right. here's to you. I low-key loved Cody's promo. I, I like I like we should have got the other I Jacqueline it up Moore. to a point. No, the we should have got the Hall of Famer Jacqueline Moore on the show instead because she would have been on here. She was like, child, that is terrible. I Dude. love I mean, I, it, it goes off the rails about oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, two thirds of the way through in a way. Yes. That I don't think yes. Intentional. But I think the first half of that promo is it was sort of the best Cody in a long, long time of uh, claiming the mantle of like doing what punk promised to do i thought was sort of i mean all through the lens of like i think he is being a heel like i i think every time he says i'm not turning heel i think he's actively healing it up like and so through that lens him claiming also kind of legitimately that he is more of a uh you know the carrier of the legacy of the pipe bomb is crazy and hilarious and i loved it and it's super compelling um I did think it was crazy that he then came out and buried the Bucks and <laughs> Red Dragon in that way. That was a very weird choice. Um, I, I don't know. I, I definitely went off the rails, but I was for sure compelled in a way that, again, a lot of stuff, especially in the second hour, a lot of the backstage stuff was just like boring. Whereas this was like, I can't take my eyes off of this insanity. What did you think of the rest of the first hour? Uh, first off, I love that at a time when Jericho's trying to get GFY to happen. Moxley opened the show by saying, go fuck yourself to somebody. I thought like that sums up everything about why Jericho doesn't work as a face. Um, you know what should happen? Anytime he says GFY, someone should go, no, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love, but yeah, Moxley was incredible. That that promo was was so great. And just- Hey, made, he got new my, teeth, right? He has new teeth. He looks- so good i mean like at this point i'm expecting dan to come out of rehab looking like a different human being because apparently that's what happens in rehab because oh i know i was looking at that and i was like i would love to just sleep for a month and eat right you know be forced to eat properly and he looked yeah. so good yeah an he inspiration looked, he looked so good that was such a great promo um i loved the statlander cassidy cole baker match. i thought that batch was so much fun. Uh, the there was weird production stuff too, like the mics at ringside were like way hotter than they usually are in this way, where like it felt like you could yeah. hear a lot of like spot calling. Um, but like in a way that was like it was just weird because you could hear Orange Cassidy like loudly calling things, which like sort of ruins the Orange Cassidy gimmick, uh, in some ways. Um, but overall, I thought this hour was was really good, minus uh, <laughs> minus Christian and Billy Gunn. Um, uh, and I the the Cole thing is silly and Cole calling out Orange Cassidy. They're, I feel like they're gonna. 
I feel like Orange Cassidy is going to win that match. And they're, they're using the lights out to keep Cole's record undefeated. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I'm, I'm interested to see how it happens, but I, I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. I'll, I'll my thoughts. Um, I thought the, the Moxley thing was great. And to, to the level where, because I do think they are connected in some way, you know, if I'm Cody and I see that, I'm just like, let him have his night. <laughs> <You know? laughs> because because it's like, it is genuine. It is sincere. And it, you know, the, the, my thing about the Cody promo is it wasn't about anything. It was like seven starts to different promos, but it never like congealed into one thing. Whereas Moxley was, I'm back and rehab made me better and if you thought i was dangerous before not, not, it's like now you want to see moxley right now i'm and, only gonna drink blood which was, yeah. was really cool yeah and then um you know i i thought that the uh the the, the baker cole stuff i thought it was really fun i mean it's like this would be like the main event of an indie show but i thought it did work for television where it's just enjoyable i yeah i love that suplex spot um and I think that Cole with Baker is good for Cole. I think that they're great together. Um, and I, I, I even watched, uh, I think, uh, AEW itself put on their Instagram, uh, like this um, like this four or five-year-old girl watching um, Adam Cole's uh, entrance and then doing it with the boom and everything. And it's like, that's adorable, man. That's fucking... <laughs> It's just, it's just awesome to see someone twice the size of Adam Cole doing uh, <laughs> his entrance. Um, but uh, yeah, the Jericho stuff, man. Yeah, I, I can't believe how hype I was about this guy and how much I'm just like, yeah, it's like you are holding back Santana and Ortiz. You should just let them do their own thing and, and let them be on TV more. Um, and Which yeah, is what I, it's, this is leading to, right? I mean, they're going to leave them. I, you, you hope so, but it's like they they're probably together. I think he's. I think he's going to wind up with 2.0. I think that's where this is ultimately going, and he's going to align with those guys uh, because those two and Daniel Garcia are better flunkies for Jericho to give the rub to than Santana and Ortiz, who it always felt weird that they were like thrown together in a group. It's like you played the WWE video game, you hit the randomizer button, and this is the stable that it came up with. You're like. All right, and they made it work over time, but I don't for a moment believe Santana and Ortiz are hanging out with Chris Jericho, and that's what makes it disjointed as a stable. It, it was the best stable in wrestling for a good long while. Oh, the yeah, only stable man. in wrestling for, for a good a year, while. year and a half. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they did great. And now it's just, you know, I mean, ever since the Pinnacle feud and then the Lambert stuff, it just feels like it's on fumes, and, and Sammy kind of works as a single star, so you don't really need him there, and well, you know, but I, I feel the, I mean, the thing with the, the Cody thing that was just, yeah, I, I think, I think the Brody stuff and yeah, the red dragon stuff, I, I just don't get what the point of that is. You know, you're not feuding with them. Um, I, I think it was like downright petty and shitty. Like I, I really do. And like, and like, it made me angry where it's like Brody King is about to have a match in five minutes. This is his first match in front of a new audience. 
and hey is that part of it though it's like look he's playing this triple h character and what would triple h do when he came out and cut promos he would kind of bury guys in unnecessary ways that would really piss people off but you're being too smart for an audience that doesn't need it for sure i just also worry that he's not i like and this is actually something with a lot of AEW storylines right now that i feel like there are good versions of them like i think a focused version of cody as a triple h character is interesting i just like always feel like you go on reddit after each dynamite and it's like a bunch of people being like oh this is where it's going and this will be cool and that'll be and then invariably cody's like no we're going somewhere nobody's ever seen before and apparently that's like nowhere like mushy could like um it's like unclear is what i it's like confusing Go ahead, Mike. He hasn't had like an actual feud in so long. Like, like the Lambert and Brandy stuff, I guess, just led to Cody versus Ethan Page one episode. You know, it's like, like you look at, like you look at him and you look at Punk, right? Because he's comparing himself. Like, Punk isn't a program. Like, Punk is doing shit. It's also the whole thing, like last night that he said that there is that this isn't a secondary title. It's like, yeah, it is because you you can't go for the world title. You have to settle for this. This is why you've won it three times. You're not allowed to do anything else. I just, I just feel like there hasn't been any focus with him, and he's treated like a big star in his own mind. This is to me why maybe you, maybe you disagree or agree, but this is what's turned me off about him is it's like it's like a privilege for you to see him that he's his own special attraction, and when you look at the other members of the elite like they put the fucking work in they get people over but every time cody's there it's like cody is returning you know he's back because he put yeah, himself but, in the but position so, as the but face so much of, of that is is a plan i mean you know the, the excessive no, you, fireworks the, Scott, you can't you can't it. label everything as a plan it's like he, he put himself legitimately thinking he was the face of this company, that he was their John Cena. That's why he's on a reality game show. That's why he has his own reality behind the scenes show. It's why he's on the trucks. It's why he has more action figures than anyone else. If this was all a really subtle planned character, best oh, character no, that's in the history legit. of wrestling. That but is legit. But it's legit. And also, also, also what Chris makes Jericho it, has more character, uh, action figures than anyone else. Sorry. I, I, I realized. Sorry, who aut- autis- autistic moment of the week. <laughs> I, 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 I bow to your knowledge on that. But I think the thing that pisses me off the most with Cody in the last week, and I was talking about this uh, with, with, with someone else, is all the stuff about his contract, how his he had, they haven't signed his contract, bullshit. It's they they let that all go out there to make it part of a storyline where you're working the internet for no reason whatsoever. Nobody for a second believes that the EVP hasn't he hasn't signed his contract. Maybe he's going to show up at the Rumble, and then they immediately announce he's going to be on Diamond. It's like that story got out there because they wanted that story out there and and that's the part of it that's so you don't need to work this hard to work the audience they want to take the journey with you on the television show you don't need to make a dirt sheet story because cody even mentioned it during his promo where he's like i'm getting the contract not the contract i want you're, you're talking to a percentage of a percentage of a percentage of the audience who's there for the ride no matter what. It doesn't add anything. But in his mind, he's got like, you know, all the post-it notes behind him, like a beautiful mind with strings trying to make this all make sense. And also, yeah. also, motherfucker, you were stardust, okay? 
you were not this big, huge star in the WWE. They were fine letting your ass go. They didn't, you didn't, you weren't, you're not punk. You're not Brian. You know, these like commodities that he would have been happy to have like he was he was on fucking main event not in the main event on the show main event <laughs> he was a jabroni for so long in that company he was in that company like yeah but i what, thought he like, asked to be let go yeah because they weren't doing anything with him well yeah but that, and then he started a company i mean that, no, that's Scott, all real. no but then he went to ring of honor in new japan and people yeah, kind of realized to- like eh no, he knocked it out of the park in Ring I, of Honor. No, there, he bombed at wrestling in New Japan because he can't wrestle that well. Not, he can't not wrestle New Japan. Japan. He's a level. fine character. The, the problem that, uh, that uh, someone had told me once, and I'm not going to divulge who, but they were like, the challenge with Cody is eventually the bell rings. And he's just not really compelling in the ring the way that his dad or his brother is. And when he's doing some of his promo work, it feels like he's playing who this character should be rather than some degree of authenticity and the audience feels it and i do think he's genuinely pushing against this i'm going to be a heel thing that he can somehow turn it around because we all live through the anthony agogo feud which he's burying now he's burying the agogo feud now he like did an interview a couple weeks ago where he was just like Oh, I regret everything I touched with that. That was a fucking nightmare. Like, what a disaster that so was. So clearly he's been listening to our show. Good. Yeah, well, it was wait, a disaster. <laughs> he, he regrets solving racism? <laughs> yeah. He, well, he ends up being like, you know, it's just I realized that maybe a white guy saying that was maybe not the right move. And it's like, cool, good. Yeah. I guess you're sort of listening. <laughs> uh, but also it was just a bad, bad program. <laughs> Yeah, it, 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 Scott texted me yesterday, like, what's the ladder in the ring for him? Like, so he can give MLK a high five. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, it, it, I mean, it's just. Well, it's just clarity is the thing that I always, like, it just feels like there's a simple story. Like, the stories don't have to be complicated to be compelling. And in fact, them getting overly complicated makes them less compelling. And same with, like, character. Like, talking about Jake this week, it's kind of a simple character in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like there's a lot of uh, like creepy ephemera to, to the promos and stuff, but like pretty simple stuff. And Cody's going out there and it's like, look, if you want to be, if you want to do this Homelander thing, which I think is like the best version of what he's trying to do, sure. then do it, but don't like have to do it. What would have been the best was, sorry, Mike, what would have been the best was if he would have just set the ladder up in the ring put the title at the top of the ladder and walked away. Everybody knew where the story was going. <laughs> I love your, your resolution is don't speak at all. <laughs> but that would have been, that no would have been the best way to do it. And yes, it would have saved us, you know, having it to think about it, but like that would have been more striking the less that he says versus I need to do a pipe bomb promo and a smarky promo and make fun of WWE and make fun of name changes and make fun of Brody and reference Brody's son and talk about how I'm, you know, the, the hero and the savior and all this. And Oh, by the way, I'm also going to face Sammy Guevara. It was, there was a lot of shit and it wasn't all done well. And that's, that, being that, that's the problem. It's, it's the first thing he said was, uh, someone told me I shouldn't do this promo now. Like I should wait to do this promo. Yes. It was the and ghost of he dusty. Fucking should have. Yeah. Because you're not you're not feuding with CM Punk. What he said about CM Punk was awesome. It was legitimately great. 
but he's not feuding with Punk, so who gives a fuck? So it's not as great, and it doesn't mean anything at all. Th- then he's mentioning all these other, other people he's not feuding with, and it's just, yeah, it becomes clustered. It becomes manic, kind of. You just go, oh, this is like a weird bomb. What, what this tells me is, and I've said this before, Tony Khan needs his Pat Patterson. You need someone who's not an active wrestler, who's not an active EVP, to objectively look at the show Well, I'm week both after of those week. things. What? I'm both of those. Yes, you're incredibly objective. <laughs> you need someone to sit there. And that's why they're like, you don't, we don't need writers. You need one person who's there. You need a pattern. You need somebody who can be the sounding board and be the bad guy and tell Cody, don't, don't do this. This makes no sense whatsoever. Here's how to make, here's how to take what you're doing and make it better. Tony Khan doesn't seem to be able to do that because he's running three sports organizations at once and writing all the TV by himself. And you're starting to see some of the cracks. And then when you let the inmates run the asylum, sometimes you wind up with GFY and you wind up with this Cody promo. Hey, he's co-writing it with QT. You put some sizzle on that steak. (laughs) Cody sharpening pencils, QT sharpening pencils. (laughs) Yeah. That's the part of the writing process, but I mean, yeah, it's interesting too. Like, we don't we don't have um, that that many people who've been in like uh, narrative writers' rooms on the show, uh, Jacqueline. But it is you know like continuity really matters, and and continuity notes they are sometimes the most annoying notes. Like if you're like pitching a story and someone's like, yeah, but we can't do that, and you just have to yeah. be like, now nah, you're right. I mean, it's interesting too because you know he was all over the place. Like what's fascinating to me is that. They were in Washington, D.C. last night, which they constantly said was like the first dynamite, right? Where he wrestled Sammy. Like, you had a very easy in to make this about Sammy and, and how how far Sammy's come, you know? Because, you know, Sammy was that upstart, like, punk kid who wrestled Cody, lost to Cody. And it really is, like, in a real sense, like, two years and three months, like, he has fulfilled his potential, I think, as a performer. And, but, but that's to me, but the problem is like, you didn't make this about Sammy. Like, Sammy didn't come out. It was, it had nothing like, and, and I think that is the real issue with Cody feuds is that they're very rarely about the other person. And you look at like this punk and MJF feud, and it's getting somebody else over. <laughs> that's not even one of the two main participants yeah it's it's the problem trying to play this in between character where what's he going to do be heel or face too many people are focused on just him and whether booing him or cheering him just having a reaction to him as opposed to a feud he'd be in with anybody because what is he the face or the heel well he's not deciding yet because it's not that part of the storyline yet well then the storyline kind of sucks yeah exactly that's that's exactly it's like yeah because he's trying to play the in-between, it's like, well, what are you trying to say at any given moment? He loves to tease the pedigree now. Like, all the, every match, he's doing that Tiger Driver. And it's like, every time, it's like he does the, he you know, does the hook the arms. And it's like, yeah, we get what, what you're, <laughs> we get what you're referencing, Cody. Um, he pulls out the golden shovel. He, like, does these things because he knows there's people that are interested in them. He dresses like Homelander. Like, there's actually like a really simplified, compelling character in what Cody's doing, but it oh, would sure. involve him like 
it does feel like when you're, it feels like reading someone writing fan fiction of like Star Wars or something instead yeah, of- an excited uh, fan that's just writing too many words and going too many places. It's all world building. And it's like- Yeah, okay, yeah. It's like Chewbacca of, doesn't have to be in this scene. No, he, everybody has to be in this scene. But yeah, also- no, who, who are you? That's what I care about. <laughs> but also it's like, you look at his dad, right? And it's like, I'm fat and, you know, my dad was a plumber. I'm going to beat you up, you rich piece of shit. Like, it's like the simplest stuff. Like, and this is like meta. And I mean, yeah, the Red Dragon stuff. It's like, they were in Ring of Honor with you, dude. They're not calling them developmental. The weirdest thing to me about it is having been in a writer's room with Dusty and hearing the way that Dusty puts together a story it is simple and he puts like like there's the steak and then there's the garnish on the side and the garnish on the side is nice but they're coming here for the steak and you're like that's how you that's how he always pitched everything of just the most direct way forward and all this other stuff doesn't matter Cody constantly comes across as a guy who has a chip on his shoulder that he should have been the main eventer in WWE and he's still not over it and he's trying to make it into a character, but it doesn't feel like a character. It feels like this is just him working through some shit. But him him doing his version of Triple H is a compelling character. What could be a compelling story and character that could explore everything he wants to explore. Like clearly that he's facet that he's working out internally, and like he's definitely flirting with it. But he's choosing. It's like looking at the Moxley promo, I, I forget who said it earlier, but like the fact that those like sort of like maybe, you know, sort of uh, were either end of the hour. It's like that Moxley promo was so simple, so good. I just like wanted to see where, what came next. And with Cody, I was like compelled, but I was compelled in the way you watch like a movie that's kind of a mess. But like, I, I kind of love that sometimes where you're like, okay, the beginning of this feels like we're going somewhere. I know where we're going. And then two thirds of the way through, you're like, wait, why are we talking about Brody Jr. right now? Like, why is that? Why is that the thing? Why are like, it, it just, I don't know. Or if you wanted to do, if they wanted to leak the contract shit, then like play the contract shit. Like tell Sammy, you don't even want the TNT belt. Like to yeah, like, have him not show up this week. Yeah, exactly. even though again he's a, he he's a fucking EVP. We know. Oh, he's obviously not. that's bullshit. Leader. But like, yeah, yeah. either just to, I just like want them to tell a story. Like, like that's all I want at this point is what is the story? And I kind of feel the same way about Malachi Black, but that's the second half. And that's a good uh, segue into <laughs> hour two, um, which I, I don't I don't know if we'll have as many deep thoughts on Archer and Kazarian. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't need to um no we, so we start uh you know we have uh jade cargill um putting on her tbs title against anna J. um and that's gonna happen soon then we have malachi like it's black, threat, which is true malachi black and that guy who really has upset a child versus <laughs> First, the Varsity Blondes. This was Brian Pillman Jr. avenging Negative One, <laughs> I guess. And and uh, you know the the second best Griff in television. Uh, number one will always be uh, for Married with Children. Uh, Griff Garrison. <laughs> then we have um, you know uh, yeah yeah Pop cuts a promo at the end there. 
just in case you didn't think that this was all mid card, here comes Pac. Um, then we have a video on Archer and Hangman Page. We get a 10 minute long, Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, speaking of this feels like it was on impact, um, Archer and Kazarian match with both Jake and Dan Lambert <laughs> accompanying. Um, and, uh, you know, and then uh, Hangman comes out at the end and, and does feel like a champion. So there's that. Um, but this is not a good feud for him, I don't think. Uh, we have uh, Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs uh, talking about Dante Martin. A heel turn from Layla Hirsch. We have oh Rapongi Vice. Uh, they are going to wrestle this this week. Is it against? I like that backstage segment. That was my favorite backstage segment of the of the episode. Against oh, the nice. Bucks. Oh, those New Japan clips. Gang, come on, let's talk about it. How nice was that? Yeah, but, uh, but we, the we best had a handshake from Scott. Is, is New Japan footage. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you when the next thing is Sky Blue and Serena Deeb? <laughs> I love that she has a move called the Deeb Top. Because <laughs> it's like, it's such a goofy name, but I mean, she's awesome. And I genuinely think that this is a good direction. This was, this was a squash, it should have been. Um, we're having, uh, you know, on Rampage, John Moxley already rethinking his return because he's <laughs> going up against Ethan Page. Uh, <laughs> and then we get a video on Hook. Uh, he is going to be on Rampage this week against Serpentico. I uh, heard the winner is already going to be the fans. And then uh, the Acclaimed making a Starcade 97 reference, which is awesome, uh, and doing doing a, a fun uh darby parody video and, and and the song that they did on rampage is awesome too going through a golf phase is like genuinely catchy um but they went up against uh darby and sting and i have not seen a darby and sting match that i don't really enjoy yet this was super fun this was a great way to you know end the show and and i'll, I'll get my thoughts quick on on this hour i think that the show overall you know the opening had an inspiring promo then you had a really fun tag match. You ended with a fun tag match. And you had a what the fuck is this promo that we talked about for 45 minutes. <laughs> so, so I think this was like an entertaining dynamite overall. And even a bad dynamite is better than most other wrestling. Um, and this wasn't even that bad. There still was great stuff on this. And it feels like shit's moving. You know, I think. Next week feels like a bigger show, and this did a good job of setting it up. Uh, Jacqueline, what did you think of the second hour and the show overall? Yeah, I, I thought it was a good show overall, too. I mean, the Cody thing, the fact that we talked so much about the Cody thing is feels like, oh, great, this is exactly what Cody wants. Yeah. Um, oh, God. But, uh, um, no, I, I, really liked, <laughs> I, know, I really liked, uh, overall, I like this hour. I, I, the women's division, I like, there are so many people in it that I like. I like Serena Deeb. I like Serena Deeb as this villain. Like, I just want, I, I, I don't know. I think Chris Statlander is like a star and I did love, I, like, I want them to build her beyond just like someone near Orange Cassidy sometimes. Um, uh, I love the Rapongi Vice backstage was fun. I also just think like Trent and Rocky are like, they, they're fun to watch and they're funny in like a really appealing way. I like, I don't know. It, it's weird how low the bar is for backstage segments on this show that it was like, hey, that that went off without a hitch and seemed like a normal <laughs> promo. 
Like, um, you know, it's interesting. Trent being nice, being the first person to be nice to Cutler was genuinely great character development. I did. I loved it. I was like, oh, I like Trent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I thought it, I thought it was good. And then the acclaimed and Sting and Darby are, are great. I mean, I love Sting. I love Darby. Um, it's I, it's cool to see Sting do this stuff. And yet I always am just like, I, I don't know. I get anxious about it. It feels just like when he did the the bump, uh, the table spot, I was just like, I don't know. I don't know how, how much longer we need, we need you to do these all the time. Come on. Yeah, man, he's 62. It's fucking, uh, he's, uh, he's, cool. uh, he's uh, three years younger than Christian. Um. <laughs> God, what did you think of this? I like the House of Black match. You know, it was what it was supposed to be. I love the the Pac promo. I love all of his promos. And him versus Malachi is, like, super intriguing to me. And the potential of him bringing a partner is intriguing, even though it might not go that direction, which is, you know, a little annoying that, you know, what is if he's in a tag team right now, why are you doing a singles match? You know, well, but, well, well, what has to happen, Scott, we have to wait for another AEW wrestler to die and then someone to come in with a similar name. Oh my god! <laughs> um, and you know, I didn't. Okay, look, I did not like the length of Kazarian Archer, but I did like what happened afterwards. I think Hangman, you know, throwing him out of the ring after what happened last week makes sense. It's an easy, simple thing that they'll probably wrestle for the title in what two weeks. So I'm fine with that. It's not going to be at the pay per view. It makes sense in fighting a big guy uh serena deep sky blue was exactly what it was supposed to be and sting and darby allen was a blast uh the cody thing which i didn't really talk about was this an hour two or hour one no cody was hour one and i barely talked about it right oh i'm sorry yeah i i think that that was a big part of me not thinking the show was that good was it felt like that was 40 minutes of the show and then lance archer and frankie gazarian felt like most of the last hour even though it wasn't the case uh but overall the show was you know really good the moxley moment alone made it worthwhile you know even existing actually my biggest complaint about the entire show though is something i don't think we mentioned which is matt hardy working with andrade and like selling him oh i just chose to leave it out Oh, it's like it's just super frustrating because it's like, well, what, what, what does this even mean? Oh, I have Why notes. is this happening? Just make Matt Hardy go away until you want Jeff to come. To your don't company. you want a board? Don't you want a board seat story, Scott? Oh man, it's so brutal. Seats. And wait, I, I like Andrade a lot. Wait, wait, you're saying you don't want to see Jose and the Blade together? Yeah, that one, that one's rough. And and you know, I hope it just leads to the whole Matt Hardy thing breaking up. But make that quick. Make it really quick. But the show overall was was really fun. I just, I, I just want to say that the I, I was reading this off a recap site, uh, and that segment was not mentioned. <laughs> wow. Rightful, rightfully so. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay, Robert. Uh, I yeah, I like the 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 Brody and Black varsity thing. I like the part where Pillman Jr. like rethought if he was going to go do his springboard to make Brody seem more uh intimidating and and scary what's which strange is uh i thought they were going somewhere with this julia hart getting sprayed in the face and maybe she was being turned into you know a disciple and it just nothing um 
pops yeah, from when the Max Caster talks about her getting sprayed in the face, he's fined and banned for a month. Exactly. Wait, we don't know. We don't know yet. I know we don't know yet because she tweeted <laughs> like, I'm fine with like caps and lowercase, which is what the kids do these days. So they're not fine. What I also love is Cody talks about how he's sick of watching NXT developmental feuds. And now I'm getting Malachi Black and Pac. <laughs> so awesome. Um, the Archer hangman stuff. Yes, this is a filler feud. This felt like when Miz won the world title and they put him in there with Morrison just to have a match on TV. They looked and like Archer's tall so we can beat him. Uh, I like hangman's point of the whole, like this cowboy thing is dumb. Do you think Bob Orton had cattle? Uh, that made me that, that I enjoyed. Uh, the Rapungi vice thing was, was cute. It was fine. The Frankie Archer match was not only was it bad, uh, in terms of how long it was and how boring it was. And it made you realize Paige is going to have a, a Herculean effort to keep his heat after this match. They keep talking about how Frankie has the second most wins and I haven't seen him on TV in five years. Like I, this, this record, like their whole thing with the records is, is really dumb. And I thought that his whole thing was I'm the elite hunter. And now the elite is just kind of gone. And they, they kind of forgot about that for him. It, it felt like in new Japan, when they made like Yoshitatsu, the, the uh, bullet club hunter or something like that. It's like, it's the gimmick you give somebody when you have nothing else to do and you don't want to use them. Uh, that the, the production thing that pissed me off, the Chris uh, Statlander, Red Velvet, Layla turn thing. It was, they were, the way it was blocked, they were so boxed in and they had nowhere to move. And WWE knows you, you step back, you give them space. It feels so like they just like bumped into each other in an elevator, which was awkward and weird. The Sky Blue Serena D had my favorite moment on the show, which was Jim Ross yelling Serenity Now. Uh, <laughs> that's going to oh, be my ringtone going forward. by the way, Jim Ross's voice this week. Oof. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, he's, he's, he's Jake Roberts sing himself uh, a little Ooh. bit. The Hardy Family Office Andrade thing from a legal perspective pissed me the fuck off because that's not how the division of percentage of a company and a board of directors works. If you are 51% and you're the majority, you have more board seats. That's the definition of having a larger percentage. <laughs> like I'm begging, like if anyone's going to know, it's going to be Tony Khan. And it's like the, the, I've never felt more like the blade in my life than the look of exasperation on his face in the background at watching this whole fucking thing happen. Uh, the acclaim, the video they did on rampage was awesome. It was a high spot of the week for me. Those guys are, fantastic um what i didn't love was this was yet another pointless sting darby feud where they just like someone's mean to darby and then sting sticks up for him and then they have a tag match and then they win we saw it with 2.0 we saw it with the acclaimed but again because they have a ranking system the acclaimed is the number one tag team in aew based on their rankings and then they just lost to uh you know a, a boy and his dog like it was just so weird that this is how you treat the acclaim when you make a point of making them your number one contenders and they don't talk about it. In the same way, Adam Cole is the number one contender for the world title and all he cares about is feuding with Orange Cassidy. Like within the confines of your world, I'm begging you, care about the ranking system that you put in place. It's a novel concept and it makes the show, to Jacqueline's there, point, there so much been easier. Enough, there hasn't been enough matches in the new year to have a number one contender. But there's a list of them. said that Cole was the number. They said a couple weeks ago that he was the number one contender. And it was yep. like, why bring that up if that's not where you're going? Right. Um, His only focus should be, I want to win the title, not I, you know, I want to beat up the guy wearing jeans. It's more yeah, I want to I want to beat up the guy who cool looks like a blow-up doll version of myself. 
<laughs> Blow up dolphins. <laughs> You're such an ass about it. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> joke. I I, I, I love it. No, I think it's so funny. I think it's hilarious. Oh, it's it, it's funny because people do it on the Facebook thread now. We just make Adam Cole. It's so joke. fun. Yeah, it, it, it's funny because it's like he really does look funny. But... <laughs> <laughs> you know it's, yeah it's, it's totally fine he's a small guy i think it's like i think it's fun and and i think he should embrace it more honestly because there's not an issue with it in my opinion but he, he is small yes yeah it should be it's all about the boom <laughs> shut up like those yeah nah, i can't even say it but there's videos they edit of a certain type of people jumping into lakes and it goes Doop, like a little drop you know Wait, what <laughs> are you the weird about? thing about cole is like Cole is short and we notice it. MJF is short and it never comes across. Like he, again, it's that whole thing with Jake before. Like Max carries himself as being much taller than he is or much bigger than he is. Adam Cole like shrinks down to where I hope that his gimmick going forward is he has an apple cart and he starts using it as a, as a weapon. Well, it's because it's also because like, because even though Wardlow's not tall, you'd think he's tall by watching TV. Yeah. But MJF's thing is also, I can't beat you fairly. I do need to hide behind all these things. And Adam Cole's thing is, I will have 50-minute matches with you. <laughs> and I'm the best wrestler. That's that's why it doesn't work. Um, but uh, we are going to do Twitter questions uh, quickly, and then we'll get to high spot, low spot, and end the show. Uh, the question I asked this week, in honor of Jake the Snake, Give us any wrestler and the animal that should accompany them to the ring. So here we go. At 655321King, Randy Orton and my aunt's Pomeranian both have done their business in purses. <laughs> At Bleeding Blue 20, Jericho and Michael Jackson's monkey bubbles. It would be easy because the monkey is used to working with a bloated, makeup-covered, has-been-full of pills. <laughs> At Belly Flope, Adam Cole and a corgi that he can ride to the ring like Sir Didymus from Labyrinth. Oh, man. If you if you want to get your answer read, make a fucking Labyrinth reference and talk about Adam Cole being short. Uh, at Scott Ferry, Sonny and a cast of crabs. Oh, man. At Hey Mong Man, Triple H and that spitting dinosaur from Jurassic Park. The spitting dinosaur will spit eye-burning acid and eight Triple H will spit Hep C containing water. At Dan Bean Sports, Dan Lambert and a puppy. Because unlike Dan Lambert, people are always happy to see a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> At Andy Piccone, Roman Reigns and a sloth because it's the most boring animals that people like for no reason. I just I, that some guy of these gets it. That day, guy gets it. I love the anger that they wrote these with. <laughs> <laughs> At Willie Chuck Jr., Marco Stunt should come to the ring in a kangaroo's pouch. <laughs> Fuck yes. At You Like a Juice, uh, Happy Corbin and the Siegfried and Roy Tiger, fingers crossed, everyone. <laughs> uh, at Nerdy Egg Roll, Christian and a Rat. That way they can do the Bella's old finisher twin magic. <laughs> <laughs> That's cold. Yeah, I know, man. At Rosa FGC, there's no way Cody doesn't get a bald eagle named Dusty, right? <laughs> <laughs> at Show Off 1984, Bret Hart should have brought a llama to the ring at Survivor Series 97 
That way the llama could have done the spinning. And finally, at Chat Manquin, Matt Hardy with Dan St. Germain's dogs so that we would at least hear some noise while he hobbles down to the ring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man, great fans. All right, high spot, low spot. Um, you already said your high spot. Is it is it the uh, the video, Robert? Oh, no, no. My high spot, because I have it queued up. Because uh, we talked about the MLW lawsuit last week. Yeah. And one of the reasons I wanted to become a lawyer as a kid is because of Jerry McDivitt. And he released a statement about the MLW lawsuit. And I, I, I feel like my worlds are colliding and I love it. But what he basically said was, uh, as for Vice, WWE has no commercial relationship with them or for that matter, any of the other dozens of content distribu- distribution entities with whom MLW could do a deal with if they actually had a commercially viable product. <laughs> they put a show on Vice. Mm. I think that they got 40,000 viewers. No wonder Vice did no further deal. Um, I love you, Jerry McDivitt. You are my hero in life. And uh, just a, a tip of the hat. And Jerry McDivitt bringing the walls down! <laughs> also, that best was, dark side dude, guest of all time. Dude, that was incredible. Can you reread that in a Jake voice? <laughs> Oh man, um, my my high spot of the week, uh, somewhat wrestling related, uh, Peacemaker. I love yes. Peacemaker. Uh, I think that James Gunn needs to work with more ruthless aggression era wrestlers because with Drax and Peacemaker, he's he's knocked it out of the park. The opening of that show is better than most shows. They do a dance number; it rules. This is the perfect character for Cena. I wish he was more like this. When he wrestled, um, this show is is really great and a lot of fun and an easy high spot for me. Uh, Jacqueline, what's your high spot? Uh, I mean, it's easy, but Moxley coming back, uh, just inspiring and exciting and and you know emotional. It was it was great. Scotty, amen. Um, my high spot is actually it involves Cody. It's a story that I read this morning that made me fucking tear up. Uh, about uh, Amanda Huber, uh, Brody Lee's wife, uh, I guess in an interview or something like that, uh, said that when she told Negative One uh, about, uh, you know, that that Brody was going to pass, she asked if Cody and Big E would be there for it. And Cody drove from Atlanta to wherever they were in Florida, Orlando, I guess, I forget where, or Tampa, Um and Biggie drove from wherever he was from, but both like very far distances. And they were in the room with them, you know, when she explained it to them. And it was just such a beautiful story about, you know, wrestlers and people being good people. And I don't know, it was just powerful. It's, I mean, super sad, but if it makes me cry, it, it must be impressive. That and uh, New Japan main events. So, <laughs> so that's my, my high spot of the week. Wrestlers Those make being, me cry for Wrestlers being beautiful, yeah. Yeah, man, I, I, I know uh, we, we talked about uh, Saget last week, but uh, Jeff Ross and John Mayer um, filmed themselves getting his car from the airport. And that was like so sad and beautiful to me because you know, he was doing gigs in Florida. And so he left his car at the airport in L.A. And so they drove it back to his house. <laughs> and yeah. that. Also, fun that. side note, John Mayer is a huge wrestling fan. So I, I do like that. Oh, he was at um, he was at all in. All in, yeah, he yeah. was at all in, yeah. Yeah, for Jensen Carp's um, wedding thing, yeah, bachelor party. 
Speaking um, of Boy right. Meets World. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it oh, all goes circle. back to Topanga. <laughs> <laughs> all roads lead to Topanga. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, low spot of the week. Who wants to say Gunther first? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Gunther could be a high spot, and I'll explain why after someone explains why it's a low a spot. A high spot? <laughs> <laughs> I give his match a nine out of ten. <laughs> okay, I'll 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 pick Gunther because I knew I knew why he did it, and I knew Robert was going to explain it in in his patented Robert way. It still sucks. It still sucks. I don't care. Yeah, it makes sense. Good for him. Copyright and all that. He has a, a good match with the uh, the only uh, you know uh, developmental guy uh that's still in developmental and not an aw yet roderick strong and then just i'm gunther (laughs) (laughs) dude it was so ass (laughs) (laughs) it was it was bad well well here's why it was good though ready because like you know a lot of wrestling is this behind the scenes shit that we all get to watch you know and laugh about and it has nothing to do with tv so that morning we found out that wwe trademarked uh gunther stark right and then like 10 minutes later everybody was like that's the name of a of like a major nazi or something yeah right? and vince was like i know <laughs> yeah right and they were like that's the name of a nazi so all day every any wrestling fan was just laughing about how wwe trademarked gunther stark and it was a nazi right then you're watching nxt 2.0 and walter comes out for his match and they announce him as walter and um in the match the commentators are calling him walter and then at the end of the match he grabs the mic and he's like and the winner is gunther and you go oh my god gunther the nazi i was laughing about all day that they trademarked that's walter now it was like it was like this crazy story and this crazy reveal. Yeah, and it was just it so, it was, right. it was like a day long uh, event and the punchline was so fucking funny, man. And as, as, as a quick aside, um, Karrion Cross did an interview with, was it Chris Van Vliet? I, I Chris don't know. Van Vliet, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Um, and, uh, and he talks, about, like, and that guy's awesome, like, in real life, like, in, in a shoot interview. He's got so much personality. But he talks about the mask, and it's so fucking funny. <laughs> the way that he talks about, like, he says, like, it should just be in a shelf like Annabelle. <laughs> <laughs> and he has such a great sense of humor about it. And Gunther is the new gimp mask. <laughs> it's, it's just, you know. Uh, <laughs> What was your low spot, Jacqueline? Um, I think it was truly like jokes aside earlier, rewatching the Dark Side of the Ring, Grizzly Smith, um, in advance of the Jake, because I wanted to know, you know, just be reminded of, of where the actual line, like what actually happened, um, and not just the, the met, and just, I, it truly is just like one of the, most awful terrible it's, it's a true like testament to the fact that that guy is still around and like by most accounts of people who are around him today or have been around him recently that people i know have said like pretty good spirits and fun, charming and like that's a pretty astounding thing but yeah just re- revisiting that was my last spot of the week no that's that's fair and uh 
I did I did the the, the promo thing just because I was like, I don't want to write these jokes. I just don't like how can I? Oh, I'll just paraphrase WrestleMania six and make it about Lance Archer promos because I was like, I cannot. I mean, yeah, it's it's just uh, like, as a sex worker, as a former sex worker who who did what had childhood ish. Um, I was like, I definitely want to make those jokes, but I want to know what what exactly it was before I like make general jokes about it. Yeah, and the fact that it's like, I mean, the dark side, the heaviest thing about it is like, you still feel like the damage, like that they all, all these children, you know, who are like, what, in their 50s and 60s now are doing this, like separated from each other and like, just, yeah, what a... What an awful person Grizzly Smith is. Um, And it's really weird because as part of the Ad Free Shows Network, I will point out, like if you go back and listen to a lot of the the old JR shows or Arn or whatever, like Grizzly Smith comes up a lot in a positive light when they talk about, because he worked backstage for... uh, WCW. He worked for WCW, but before that he he worked um, with with Bill Watts and he used to run a lot of the shows. So a lot of guys say really nice things about him and it's so uncomfortable to listen to that when they're like, oh, yeah, Grizzly Smith was running this show and he handled the payoffs and he gave us our creative and he ran a tight ship. And it's like he's a complete monster. And yet it, it, there's never like that asterisk when they mention him like Grizzly Smith, who we know was one of the worst human beings to theoretically live in the history of wrestling. Yeah, but, um, but wrestling more than a lot of things fucking will rationalize any shitty behavior you know it's like you you say what you want about Pol Pot but he always sent my my wife a Christmas ham <laughs> like it's like if they if you did like one decent thing like I mean all of the bad parenting that they can excuse like yeah Ric Flair could have been a good dad to his three kids but he was entertaining children everywhere <laughs> but it's like we're gonna talk about Greg Valentine coming up at they tell like a hilarious story of how Johnny Valentine, his dad, used to get to the building early, go to catering, take a shit and mix it in with the Salisbury steak and then watch other people eat it. And that's not a horrifying like this guy should never work. It's like, here's a hilarious, fun story about the world of wrestling. Dude, like every every wrestling road trip from like the 70s to the 90s, I just imagine it's just like four guys in a car heckling cats in the cradle. <laughs> it doesn't matter when he's coming home he's fighting for his family <laughs> uh robert did you go no not yet uh my, my low spot shockingly comes from monday night raw um it's it's just like here's here on the doll was where i was hurt this week um there was a three-hour program in which Big E, former world champion who a week ago got beat clean in the middle of the ring didn't appear and wasn't even mentioned by name over the course of a three-hour show on MLK Day, uh, he got like the CM Punk after Royal Rumble treatment, which was super weird because we are two weeks away from a Royal Rumble and he's kind of the odds-on favorite to win. And he got no representation whatsoever on this broadcast. This poor fucking guy has poured his heart and soul into this and they just kind of keep kicking him while he's down. And uh, that was my low spot. Do you do you think when Vince was told that he was getting sued by MLW, he thinks it's MLK? <laughs> but he the thing that's so funny is Vince genuinely loved this Martin Luther King Jr. Like that was something we were always told. We had the picture of Dr. King in Teddy Long's office. And Vince has this real like 
reverent appreciation for him in the way that there was a lot of uh, conservative politicians who were tweeting about Dr. King Day and using quotes that were the complete antithesis of their entire position in their political career. And that's kind of how Vince felt. I'm like, like I, I guess he, he treats everyone equally and he treats them all terribly. So by default, he's honoring Dr. King, but it always struck me as weird as in a non-ironic way, he always listed Dr. King as one of his all-time heroes. Yeah, he cuts a hell of a promo. Yes. <laughs> I, just, I just love the idea. I had a dream that one day two African-American women would main event WrestleMania, and then six months later, we would advertise that main event again, but instead have an Irish woman come out and pin the champion. <laughs> I also like that you turned into Ernie Ladd halfway through that. That was even better. It's the, let me, it's let me the, tell you something, you, Michael. It's, it's the how do you sound like the person without pissing people off. It's very difficult. <laughs> oh, man. Did everyone say their low spot? Scott? No, no, no. So my low spot was going to be my high spot, which was uh, Mustafa, right? That's how you say Ali. It's Mustafa, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, he requested his release from WWE, and that was going to be my high spot because I was. Which, proud by of the him. way, is because they were looking into trademarking Osama that day. <laughs> so you know, I'm happy for him because uh, I think he's fantastic, and and I think he's great on the mic. I think he's great in the ring. He's got a cool look. Uh, I think he would do great anywhere else. Uh, but just now during the podcast, they they you know everyone's reporting that wwe isn't going to grant his release uh that's the rumor going around at least is that they're not going to grant his request which is crazy because of the, the supposed budget cuts where they're firing all these people now if someone wants to go i mean you're trying to save money anyway let them fucking go hey scott and, fun fun fact uh do you know where the february pay-per-view is taking place Oh yeah. So they ain't letting him go. Saudi Elimination Chamber, right? Yes. Yeah. They're uh, they're they're, they're very they're sensitive to the Jewish community thing. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, the Elimination Chamber, which can't be called that in Germany, that's legitimate. Yeah. Uh, so now they're going to run it in Saudi Arabia. And Meltzer tried to make that joke, and they tried to cancel him. And the defense was, "You can't cancel Meltzer. He doesn't know what he's doing." <laughs> but there's a different name for the elimination chamber in uh, Saudi Arabia. It's called the press room. <laughs> it's so crazy to do that. Oh, well, whatever. WWE doing crazy things. I, I don't understand why. I mean, the thing is, though, I think they are more aware of a lot of that. Like we we like to believe that because their product is incompetent, they are. But it's like. I think they know what they're doing with a lot of this shit. Well, Robert, they do, you, do you think a lot of this stuff is ribs or is it just accidental? Oh, they, they, you will never hear more heartless, fucked up jokes than you will from some of the longstanding people who've been at WWE. The stuff that will like curdle your soul. So they know exactly what they're doing and they are internally saying the, the whole genesis of my Twitter account, quite frankly, was hearing stuff that they would say about their own product and you know trying to like make it softer and gentler than what i would actually hear that's that's the horrifying nature like they know oh we're going to run the elimination chamber in saudi arabia vince and kevin dunn have made probably the worst jokes humanly possible uh when they when they figured that out oh man well you know much like the subject of our episode today jake the snake this 
episode has lasted longer than anyone thought it would. Um, <laughs> uh, plugs. Uh, Jacqueline, uh, you are a great guest. Thanks so much for doing this. Thank uh, you. Do you have anything to plug? Uh, no, just... Uh, yeah, no. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah. And, and fight for her to get on a syndicated show. So Yeah, one, <laughs> one of these days uh, when yeah. syndication comes back. Oh man. All right. Uh, Robert. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WWCreative underscore ISH uh, at the $10 Patreon tier. Still doing something to sports entertainment with broke down this week's uh, raw talked a little bit about where the trajectory of the Royal rumble is going forward. And once Dan's back, he'll be joining me for those, those raw things. And I do just want to plug uh, for, for, for Jacqueline that something that I found out yesterday, I didn't even realize that Jacqueline had worked on the gold standard of internet uh, Twitter parody accounts was the modern Seinfeld Twitter account. And the fact that oh. you contributed to that is yeah, like, that, that was, was, that the, was me one and of the all time. Yeah. Yes. And that was you and Josh Coleman did an incredible job as a huge Seinfeld fan. Like the, the, the way it was done, like going back and reading it, it's, it's incredible. It, it was like, when I saw that, I was like, all right, game over. The, the, what I'm doing here is nothing compared to what, what they're oh, doing man. there. And it's, uh, it's it's still up. Go back and check it. They haven't posted anything in like seven years. You guys are lazy, but uh, <laughs> well, we both you know. were we both were doing open mics in New York at the time, and now we're both TV writers thanks to that account. So I, I, I knew you a little bit back then, right? Yeah, I was gonna say you. Used, I used to host a show with Anna Dresden uh, in the Village uh, that you would do sometimes. That's right. Yeah, and that, I, I was a different uh, gender back then. <laughs> <laughs> We we were we were all we were all different uh, back then. <laughs> a lot a lot has changed <laughs> for sure. I should have changed. I I, I I still look the same, and it's a problem. Uh, <laughs> you trimmed your beard. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> uh, Scott, you got anything to plug? Uh, Scott underscore Chaplin on Twitter and Instagram and the Wrestle Roasts Twitter. And uh, our T-shirts at ProWrestlingTees.com. Nice. Oh, and our, our Patreon that we're doing this weekend, we're covering Royal Rumble 1997, which is going to be a hell of a Oh, fun. hell yes. Okay, I'm excited to do that. Yeah, get, get to hear our thoughts on a six-man Lucha Libre match <laughs> in 1997. <laughs> which I'm sure they treated with the utmost respect and dignity. <laughs> That's a, you, you know you know it makes me feel better is like after you said about WWE and, and their own awful senses of humor, it's like we're pretty nice, aren't we? We're oh this is this is this is a TV PG product compared <laughs> to what you would have heard from, from some of the folks there. Yes. Like oh man. Yeah. All right. Uh this is fun. Uh Zach, any final words? Wash your hands.